Coming up next, it's Natalie Cutler-Welsh with her show, Up Your Brave. Community, connections, holistic health, and more on RCR. Reality Check Radio. People are struggling to have conversations and connect with others that they don't completely agree with on every topic. And I think that's probably the biggest problem that we need to try and solve is how after all this division and after all the separation, do we end up bringing people together again? And what does unity really look like? New Zealand faces some pretty big issues. First one is COVID in the aftermath. There's no getting away from that. Second is racial division. It's been ginned up and it's dangerous. Another issue that maybe people haven't got their head around yet is digital currency. What form does that take? Is it programmable? Will it be used to manipulate behaviour and patterns of behaviour? Those questions need to be asked and answered. How can you have fair, open, democratic government by people who are appointed? It's a ridiculous idea. And if that idea is taken to its zenith, then this country is in real trouble because democracy, one person, one vote, where every vote is of equal value, has got to be the foundation of a modern New Zealand. What's true, what's not true, how our kids are to be educated. And, you know, I have a great fear for the future. I think we know from history where this could end up. Happy Friday, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. Today, if you're listening to us live, is Friday the 14th of July, and today is Marariki. And as you may know, uh, Marariki is the Pallades star cluster and a celebration of its first rising, which usually takes place in June or July, marking the beginning of the new year in Maori lunar calendar. And what an ideal time to reflect on one's life and to really ponder and take empowered action about how we do want to live our life. Uh, so the topic today, the, th- uh, the overarching theme of all my interviews is creating a life you love. And of course, as a speaker and author and a coach, I love shining the light on amazing people. I get to do that every week. I talk to three people and I bring them to you. Um, and also, of course, shining the light on important issues, all based around motivation, education and inspiration. And that's what we're doing here on the Up Your Brave show today, of course, focusing on living a life that you love, not just going through the motions of life, but being empowered and not living in what I call the should zone, but rather upping our brave, living in alignment. And for me, I call it living in the impact zone. And today I've got some amazing guests lined up for you in this order. I will be talking to Catherine Price. She's an author and a speaker. She'll be talking about trusting your gut. And then after that, we're talking to Travis Bell from Australia. Now, (laughs) Travis uh, is the bucket list guy. He is literally known around the world as an international speaker. He speaks at many, many conferences all around the bucket list. And so I'm I'm calling the topic this week, Bucket List Living. And he's going to give us some tips on how we can hone in on what our bucket list is. He also has an amazing book and an amazing acronym where he helps you to brainstorm ideas around your own bucket list, which as you may or may not know, if you're new to the show, I do ask every guest, uh, what is one thing on their bucket list? So it's an, it's an ongoing theme for us. And I'm so excited to dive into it more deeply talking to Travis. And of course, 
being the Mariki and the, the new year, it's a great time to bring into your life some of these bucket list items and actually to, to make them happen instead of just creating a list and leaving it, <laughs> leaving it there on the fridge. After Travis, we're going to be talking to Kim Baird from Amazing Business. And the topic on that one is inner game and the lies we tell ourselves. So that's a great focus all around mindset for everyone in our audience today. So before we dive into those interviews, I'd love to go to some messages. We do get texts from people. We also get emails from people. And this is one from Jackie Blair, who writes in, Hi there, Natalie. Thanks so much. This morning's interview with Hendo. I missed his actual name at the beginning. Fantastic interview and advice for men and young men. I have an 18-year-old son, a 13, a year 13 high school student. I will definitely pass this interview on for my son and husband to listen to the replay. Thanks so much, Jackie, for writing in. Yeah, so Jack Henderson from Hendo's Hot Topics podcast was my guest last week. He's so amazing. You've heard me, you might've heard me rave on about him because he's only 20 years old and he has such sage wisdom for the world. It was a great interview and you can definitely catch the replays. All you need to do is go to realitycheck.radio and you can go to shows click up your brave and then scroll to the very bottom. It has all the replays from all my guests. And you just look for the one that says Jack Henderson. It's amazing. Um, And then of course, from there, you can share that unique link with anyone in your life, which is, we really encourage you to do that. I mean, share the love, spread the joy uh, because the frequency of these interviews and the words that we share can shift things. It can change the way people do show up in their own lives. It can give them hope when they're feeling low. It can inspire them. And that's really what we're aiming to do. And of course, also open their eyes. The next message we got was, thank you so much to Michael Smiley, who writes in, greetings, Natalie. I really appreciated your interview with Dan Monroe. It was really helpful to where I am at at the moment. Also, it's great to have a lady concerned for men's well-being as well as women's well-being. That's the, prop, that's the proper balance and why I love RCR. Oh, yay. Thank you so much. He also says, today I listened to Jordan Peterson's interview, which if you haven't heard it already is an absolute must and two men um, that I would love for you to get on your show. It's talking about the fight against worldwide, worldwide child slavery and trafficking. God bless you. Thank you so much, Michael. I agree. I would love to dive more. I will be diving more into that topic. Um, The Sound of Freedom movie has launched in America on the 4th of July. We are aiming to get it in a theater here in New Zealand just to raise awareness on that topic. So thank you for raising that. Um, Also, yes, the interview with Dan Monroe last week. Again, if you haven't listened to that one, go and catch the replays. Dan is totally amazing. In fact, I'm aiming to do a little flashback, possibly to his interview, but someone's interview at the end of the show today. Dan is, um, he was talking about nice guy syndrome and how a lot of men put on this kind of mask, I suppose, of being like this really nice guy, but it's exhausting for them to kind of pretend that they're, and be super neutral and not really be super honest and blunt with their opinions and things like that. And he said, when he dropped that mask and when he started being brutally honest, it was amazing. Of course he did lose some friends, but he, the relationships he did have totally deepened. And he actually, his um, dating life took a big shift as well for the, for the better. So definitely catch catch that episode. If you haven't heard it already. Uh, We also have a message here from Nick Vanderwesthalsen. Thank you, Nick, for writing in. He says, I was wondering if we could be brave and talk about why the New Zealand government has stopped the movie 
from being screened in New Zealand. I think he's talking about the sound of freedom. Um, it is the talk on the internet and a blockbuster in the US, yet crickets here. I wonder what the government wants to hide. Uh, Reality Check Radio does sound much better. So yes, I think you're t- he's talking, oh, you know, he is, because he's got a graphic to go with it. And, and the graphic has like m- hundreds of people lining up to the sound of freedom at the movies and like two people in line at the Indiana Jones movie. And yet, of course, we haven't heard anything about it on the mainstream media. But of course, we're going to talk about things, all the things here on Reality Check Radio, where it's all about uncensored content. content. And when I talk to my guests before I record, I literally say, we can talk about anything. You can say anything. You can say jab injury. You can say COVID. You can say whatever. Uh, But please try not to swear. (laughs) That's what I usually say to them. And they go, oh my gosh, thank you for telling me. So um, thank you so much for writing in, Nick. That's amazing. And one final one here from Linda. Hi, Natalie. I've just listened to your interview with Mark. Mandino, and I am feeling very uplifted. The recent huge event in my life was the death of my husband of 50 years. Oh, sorry to hear that. And I'm sending you love, Linda. Um, She says, we did pretty much everything together. Learning to live alone and make all of the decisions, big and small, by myself has been very challenging. Also, um, coming to terms with all the things that are missing in my life now, like going to the beach or taking weekends away, traveling somewhere new, even just going shopping into the city or out for dinner or a movie. These things don't happen anymore. And so dot, dot, dot. Much of my life is completely different. The temptation to dwell in self-pity and focus on what I can no longer do rather than staying in that place. I've been learning to think outside the square and find new and creative ways to reinvent my life. I found Mark's courage and determination in the face of the adversity he faces every day to be really inspirational and encouraging. Thank you for interviewing him and thank you for your show. Always interesting and helpful. Oh, thank you so much, Linda. I am sending you love. And I know that thousands of people, of course, around New Zealand are going through that very similar thing of losing their long life loved one and having to now navigate life on their own. Um, And I'm so glad that you were able to get some inspiration and some support through that interview with Mark. If you guys missed the interview with Mark, he is amazing. He's from a company called Adventure Works. And so he's a very outdoorsy guy, rock climbing and kayaking, and and he helps people to do that. And he actually became a quadriplegic um, in a surfing accident where he was teaching his kids how to surf. And he dove off the board and hit his head on a sandbar. And his daughter actually ended up having to rescue him to get him back to land as a result, quadriplegic um, and, go, you know, re-navigating life, reimagining life. So it was, um, you know, it is a tragic situation, um, but the interview itself is, like Linda mentioned, very uplifting and just helps to put some things into perspective. So the topic last week where all these three men that I've mentioned today, the topic last week was called Empowering Men. And these are empowering men that I interviewed. And we do want to empower our men here in New Zealand and, of course, beyond Um, because it is such a challenging time for everybody, but definitely for men as well at the moment in terms of expectations and, you know, be how to be a manly man and also show your emotions is something we talked about on the interview with Jack. So definitely check out all of those. You can actually go and listen to the full show. Um, so you get all three interviews in a row, plus my music. (laughs) Um, so you can check that out on the replays page on realitycheck.radio. So now I'm going to go to a song that I've chosen because last week 
school holidays, my lovely sister flew in after four years. We haven't seen her. She lives in America with her four children and her husband. And it was a beautiful family reunion with my parents from Wellington and my other sister from Thoranga and her kids and her family. And it was amazing <laughs> in true Welsh style uh, because my surname is Cutler Welsh. Cutler is my husband. Welsh is me. We fused our names together. In true Welsh style, my dad, for his 80th birthday, asked us to each present on a little bit of a window into our lives in the past few years and focusing on our achievements. So everyone had to get up in order of um, age. So my young, my youngest child is 12. So he went first and they had to present a little slideshow. So classic Welsh situation. Um, but it was really amazing to see everyone's presentations and to get a little bit more info and insight into their lives and their achievements. Um, and so my nephew, Owen is doing like biomechanical engineering or something at Duke for his PhD. So he's super intelligent. He's got like a running scholarship as well, uh, but he actually loves music. And today we're talking about creating a life you love. He also loves to sing and he's got some songs on Spotify. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to play your song. So this is Owen and Lucas. You can look them up on Spotify. Please follow them. It would be really cool. Owen and Lucas on Spotify. And this is their song, which is called Moving On. Here it is. Change myself to be somebody new Oh, I can fake your knocks and then pretend to be real cool Tread my authenticity for just one day with you No, I'm moving on Wait, first I'm gonna have to prove you wrong Maybe I can do it through this song Baby, you'll be sorry when I Cause love 
You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show with Natalie Cutler-Welsh here on Reality Check Radio. And my next interview guest is the lovely Catherine Price. She's an author, a speaker, a speaker and a mentor. And today we're going to be talking about how to trust your gut and live life on your own terms. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thanks, Nat. It's great to be here. You know, it's funny when I think of you, I remember back, I don't know, not 10 years ago, you were one of the very first guests on my go-to girl podcast. God, it must've been 10 years ago. So good to have you back again. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I think it would be almost 10 years ago. It's amazing to see how your life, of course, and mine as well, but your life has changed over the time. And today we're going to talk about the book that you've just written, which is Flourish. We're going to talk about finding clarity and courage. So before we do all that, I'd love it if you could give my audience a bit of backstory. Um, How did you get to what you're doing now? So my personal development journey began back in 1989 as a 24-year-old flight attendant. I was uh, standing in the back galley of a Boeing 767 on my way back from my first trip, and I had my wake-up call. I realized that everybody else was so excited to get home, and all I wanted to do was turn around and go back. So that was that was the moment that I realized uh, I was, on the surface, I had appeared to have everything, but inside... Uh, I felt miserable. So I took myself off to psychotherapy and that's where my personal development journey began. I had I had lost my mother to cancer 12 years earlier and I had a lot of buried grief within, within me. Uh, so yeah, it was it was the process of starting to to work through that that really caused me to fall in love with all things personal development. And I've stayed on that path ever since. You know, there's a lot of themes that just came up there. Number one, when you're talking about something, you know, everyone was so excited to get home and you weren't. Um, And it makes me think of those, you know, those moments, those reality check moments for people when they're like, actually, things aren't great. Like I realize I don't want to, you know, I want to turn around again. Um, But you dove into personal development, which a lot of people don't do. A lot of people wait until much, much later in life. Have you found that um, people, especially in the last three years, have kind of leaned more into that personal development space? Yeah, I think so. I think it's becoming far more common for people to yeah, to dive into that, which is great because, you know, that's that's where our answers are. Our answers are within us. They're not out there in the world. You know, we all have our own answers, but we are often so busy that we don't take the time to slow down and listen, you know, to those messages that we all get. And so what was that message back? Like, take us back, you know, you're on the plane, you're doing the personal development stuff. What was the message that you were getting? And how did that change the trajectory, you know, where you're, to use kind of like a metaphor, the plane of your life, you know, where was that heading now after doing some personal development? What direction? So the message that day to me was, um, you know, something's really wrong here. I, you know, for for the previous, I guess, 
few years, probably since I started work, I had felt, I had often felt very miserable, I guess. There was no other label I had for it back then. And it wasn't until I went into psychotherapy that I realized I had all that buried grief and that, you know, I was actually depressed. So that's what was going on for me. So as a result of going into therapy, things changed enormously because I started to understand what was going on for me. And I started to understand why I felt miserable all the time. Um, I also, you know, dove into the fact that I had blamed myself for my mother's death, you know, because I, I thought she was exhausted, you know, and I was one of the seven children. So, you know, it was my fault. But um, so it was learning that, you know, it wasn't, wasn't my fault. You know, she became unwell and that's, you know, why she died. So I guess it was about, it was really about looking within and understanding myself more. Yeah. What a, what a burden to carry thinking that you, you know, you were responsible. And I, I imagine, you know, tragically so, I imagine some of our audience can relate to that in their own lives. Like maybe it was the death of a parent and so much buried grief because sometimes you just have to get on with life. You just get so busy doing, getting on with things. You can't acknowledge the loss or maybe also they, some of our listeners might've taken, taken that burden on themselves as well, but what a release, was that a release for you when you realized it wasn't your fault? Yeah, it, it really was. Yeah. And, and you're quite right. You know, people, a lot of people have, you know, those buried thoughts and feelings and, and grief, uh, you know, and they're, they're things that often we hold on to because, you know, we're, we're worried, I guess, about what other people will think or that, you know, they're unusual thoughts or feelings. So we keep them to ourselves. We're just out of curiosity, seven kids, my goodness. What number were you? What number, well, what number are you? What number in the seven? Uh, I'm second youngest. Mm. Mm. Wow. Busy, busy, busy household, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. So now you've gone through that journey. You've uh, you've had um, you've had various you know businesses and successes in your life, but now you're you're focusing really on helping people to flourish, which is the title of your book, which I love. I know the listeners can't see you, but she's got her book behind her. I've got your book as well. Thank you very much. Um, what does flourish mean to you? What does that look like for people? So it's about. The book is a collection of stories and lessons learned from my 35-year personal development journey, along with practical exercises at the end of each chapter. So I take people through the process that basically that I went through, which was uh, is in four parts. So part one is about listening. So that's about getting quiet and listening to the whispers of our soul. So learning to tune into your intuition and those little, you know, those little whispers that you hear every now and then that we can so easily ignore because we're so busy. So that's the first part. The second part is doing the work. So that is doing the personal work. So it's it's diving into our thoughts and our feelings in order to understand ourselves more and to express those feelings, you know, to get them out of our body, out of our head, um, yeah, and then the third part is uh, building a solid sense of self. So that's what happens after we do our personal work. So when we do the personal work and we release the emotions, we, 
you know, for me, I started to then believe in myself where previously, you know, I had no self-belief whatsoever. And then the fourth part is a new life. So that's what happens as a result of doing this work is we're able to, you know, create a new life for ourselves. So, um, yeah, that's the journey that I take people through in the book. Yeah, I, I feel like so many people, the self-belief part is interesting, right? Because self-belief is related to courage and related to confidence and a lot of the stuff I talk about. But I think, is it that some people just don't know who they are and therefore they don't believe in themselves because there's a disconnect? They don't know who they are? I think so. I mean, it can be many things. You know, it can be our conditioning from childhood. It can be things that, um, you know, parents or teachers or other kids have said to us. Um, there can be many things that, and you know, lead to that lack of self-belief. Uh, and it can be that we have, you know, we've done things because we were expected to do them rather than actually tuning in to find out who we really are. Yeah. And going after the things we want. I and I find that, you know, with with clients and and um, you know, comments I get on social media, people say, you know, I have no idea what I want to do. And these are people that, you know, can be in their 40s and 50s and 60s and older. They've never ever taken the time, you know, to to look at what they really want in their life. I'm a huge fan of self-discovery, self-belief as well. Um, and yeah, we did a show a few weeks back about um, human design, which is something I've integrated into my business. And part of what we do there is we go, well, what lights you up? Um, but the thing is that question is not relevant for everybody. So everyone shouldn't be going, you know, okay, I'm only meant to do what lights me up. It's like, yeah, that's really for, for some people, but not everybody. It's for the generators, manifesting generators. For some of the other people, it's what comes easily or effortlessly to you is really the path for you. And I think part of the problem with a lot of motivational stuff is it's very generic for everybody, but I don't think it, it applies necessarily. What is some of the best advice that you got, some some of the best guidance that you had in your self-discovery journey that has really shaped where you are now? One of the biggest things I learned quite early on was, uh, I remember my therapist saying to me, you need to put space between your doing and at the time, you know, it was really foreign to me and it kind of didn't really mean anything. But what she what she explained was instead of racing from one task to the next, you know, going to work, coming home, you know, going to the grocery store, cooking dinner, doing the next thing, the next thing, is actually stopping to take some time to check in with yourself. So whether that's walking in the door, you know, sitting down to close your eyes for a few minutes and take a few deep breaths, have a cup of tea, whatever it might be, actually stopping to connect with yourself rather than just, you know, being on that hamster wheel. And that was huge for me. And it's something now that, you know, I've integrated that into my life for many, many years. You know, I will, you know, I do that often throughout the day is actually just stop and take some time. And it's powerful. I love it. Put some space between your doing. Hey, you know what? Let's turn off our cameras. It's just a little glitchy now and then. Let's see if that makes things a bit better because we are audio only. Um, I You mentioned that you do some practical exercises in the book. So do you have a practical exercise you can share with us? Yeah. So uh, 
when we were talking before about the lack of self-belief, I have an exercise around limiting beliefs. And uh, this is something that, you know, I find really useful and so, so do my clients. So it's it's thinking of a, a limiting belief you have. So for example, you know, something I have always uh, thought of is I could never complete a marathon. And so it's it's writing that down and then looking at that and saying, okay, so what's the truth here? The truth for, for me around that is, okay, if I trained, I could complete a marathon. Even if I was to walk it, I could actually do it. And then the third part of that exercise is to rewrite that belief. So it's to create a new uh, story in your head. So, and that is that says, you know, I could complete a marathon if I chose to, or I can complete a marathon. So that's a really a, a quite a simple exercise, but uh, is is really useful for those limiting beliefs that many of us have. I love that. Okay, so re, so re rewriting your beliefs. So for our audience listening out there, I'd love to know what's resonating for you. Um, you can send us a text two zero five seven, or you can email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Um, maybe you want to share with us what was that moment that you realized it was time for you to do some personal development, um, like Catherine's moment on the plane. What was your moment? Or maybe you want to share with us um, a little activity or something that you include in your day to help you, just like the putting space between the doing tip that Catherine shared as well. Um so Catherine, what else about your book? I know you've got these different chapters. What I'd love to hear is from people that have been in touch with you, um, whether they got the book or not, you know, what are you thinking people are seeking at the moment, you know, or what are they seeking or struggling with here in New Zealand? I think people, are, you know, as you said earlier, you know, we talk, I think people are looking for something more but also I think people are looking for something that is uh, more straightforward and to simplify perhaps their lives and, and the way they do things. I think as we talked, you know, there's so much going on in our lives and just that um, making things easier I think is is something that you know people perhaps are looking for. Yeah, because life can be so overwhelming. You know that word overwhelming. It's especially with all the the information that's available to us at all times. Um, but I think yeah, people are kind of going back to more of a simple life. And also, I found you know as I'm turning fifty this year, it's. I think a lot more people are, especially in their 40s, they start to go, you know what, I'm going to live life on my own terms. Or you know what, what do I actually want to do rather than just being in the job that they've always been in or that they trained for? Are you finding that it's an age-related thing as well, where people um, are leaning more into personal discovery or are the younger ones doing it as well? I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. People, people do start, you know, in their 40s, they do start and 50s and older, start looking at things and, and questioning things. Uh, I'm, I'm sure it's across the board with the younger generation as well. I think there's certainly more, more self-awareness with the younger generation these days around thoughts and feelings and all of those things than certainly than there was in my day. Um, but I think 
The, the power of just slowing down and listening and learning to listen to ourselves, I think, uh, you know, that's something that anybody can benefit from. And you talk about finding clarity and courage. How do we find that? Because like you said, a lot of people say, I don't really know what I want to do, or I don't know what lights me up. How can we find that clarity? And then how can we also find the courage to move forward and do that thing? So finding the clarity is is again about slowing down. You know, I remember when I was going through therapy and in the beginning when I sort of started processing things and, you know, I had these things buried away in my head that I really wanted to do. You know, I'd always wanted to try photography. You know, I'd wanted to, um, you know, go camping in a four-wheel drive vehicle by myself. These were things that you know, that I really wanted to do, but I didn't have the courage to do them. And they'd kind of been sitting there and I'd been thinking about them a lot, but I didn't act on them. So it's about tuning in so that we can, you know, we can bring those things to the surface and then, you know, take take the next tiny step towards achieving one of those things so for me, that was, you know, it was back in the 90s, you know, I, I cut out um, a an ad from a local newspaper for a photography class and it sat on my fridge for months, you know, before I plucked up the courage to make the call to book in. So it's just taking that next tiny step. And also, you know, knowing that when we do something new, it's completely normal to feel afraid. and that that fear's actually not going to go anywhere until we do the thing. It's almost like a bucket list. You know, when you were saying you really wanted to do photography and you wanted to travel and, you know, different. It's, so it's like there are all these things that, that most people have things, right, on a list, whether it's a list in their mind or it's a list on the wall or a mind map or a vision board of things that they would love to do be or experience it at some point, you know, in their lifetime. Um, but sometimes we just don't even have the the clarity on how to do that. Or I guess a lot of people get stuck in the how, um, but then the courage also to make it happen. So I love that phrase. I wrote down, take tiny steps. And I think that just makes it sound so doable. Yeah, I think that that is what makes the biggest difference. You know, I, I know with, uh, you know, what I've been doing the last couple of years that, there's been a lot of new things to learn, you know, with uh, self-publishing a book. And yeah, as you talked before about overwhelm, you know, I've certainly been in that space uh, a good few times. And it has each time it's just been about, okay, what's the next thing I need to do that's going to lead me towards uh, what it is that I want to achieve? So yeah, the tiny steps is a big thing. <laughs> the tiny steps yeah. is a big thing. Love it. What did you learn about yourself in this process? There'll be some people out there listening that have also written a book. Um, But what did you learn about yourself in the book writing journey? Uh, Oh, gosh, so many things. Um, I learned that I learned that I can write a book. I learned that uh, people would actually read it and love it. Uh, I learned that, you know, by taking, you know, each step that, you know, I could get there. So no matter how big or small the project is, you know, and writing a book was so much bigger than what I ever thought it would be, uh, you know, if if we just put one foot in front of the other, 
you know, we get there eventually. So true. So true. And um, so we're going to talk about your bucket list in a moment. That's one of the four questions I've got coming up. Um, so let's do that now. We're going to go, we'll go to number one, which is upping your brave. So obviously writing a book is very courageous, but what is something else? Maybe what is one thing that you did, you've done in the past year where you truly upped your brave? So coming on shows like this, Nat, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yeah, I've been interviewed for a number of uh, shows and podcasts and, uh, conferences, and uh, yeah, that certainly took courage. So the first one, uh, I was terribly nervous, uh, and that's got uh, a little bit easier over time. Thank goodness. Well, that's that's awesome. And um, you know, when you write a book, you know, people are going to want to know about it, and they're going to want to know um, how they can tap into that knowledge. So it's great that you were able to go and be interviewed and say yes to coming on my show today. So congratulations. Um, For your bucket list, what is one thing you've got on your list that you'd love to, maybe my community can help you to achieve? Yeah, there's there's one thing that's been on my list for a long, long time. And I don't know if they can help me achieve it, but maybe. I'd love to travel to Tibet. Uh, Yeah, so... It's just been something that intuitively, uh, no real explanation, um, I've wanted to do for a very long time. Okay. So for our listeners out there, if you've got insight, information, guidance, recommendations, suggestions for Catherine around traveling to Tibet, um, well, you can get in touch with us, but you can directly get in touch with her. How can people connect with you online if they want to buy the book or if they want to tell you about Tibet? Yeah, so my website is katherineprice.co.nz and uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook and Pinterest. Okay, and I'm going to spell it for people. So it's Catherine Price and it's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N, correct? Yes, that's right. Okay, Price, P-R-I-C-E, .co.nz. You can look Catherine up. You can check out her book. You can tell her about Tibet. Um, What's coming up for you, Catherine, in the next six months? So I'm currently working on my next book. So uh, that's that's coming up. That will be uh, finalised by the end of the year and launched early next year. And uh, over the next six months, uh, each month, I run a live webinar on a personal development topic. So that uh, that's on my website if anybody wants to check that out as well. Ooh, that sounds amazing. I love it because sometimes people... They kind of, they they want to do personal development, personal discovery. Sometimes they don't know where to go because it is overwhelming because there's so many YouTube videos and Instagram and just places. So if they know that once a month you do this online training or webinar, that's brilliant. So they can check that out. Um, in terms of the second book, are we allowed to know the title? I haven't finalized it as yet. I've got a fairly strong idea, but it's uh, it's about the uh, the importance of the connection with ourselves and with others. Mm. Yay. That is right up our alley because we're all about connections um, over here on Up Your Brave. All right. Hey, before we wrap things up, Catherine, is there anything else you want to share with our audience today? The one thing I would say on your uh, comment, Nat, about, you know, there being so much out there when people, you know, if people are wanting to, um, you know, go on the self-awareness journey, what I've done over the years in my personal and professional life is 
found sort of one or two or three or, or, or four people, you know, that I really resonate with and, you know, follow those people uh, in depth. And I've found that to be really, really useful. And at different times on my journey, you know, those uh, people have changed. But I think that can be a helpful way to actually get some traction because there is so much out there. There is so much out there. The other idea that I'm going to share with you, um, I did an interview a few, um, probably about a month or so ago and with a lovely guest. And she also had a book. And one thing she did over the lockdown time is she got people, so people would purchase the book. And then she would basically do like a six week training, working through the different chapters of the book as a group. And I thought that is so smart from a business perspective, but also for the people that, you know, they're, of course they're going to read it, but to be able to get together and to toss around some of the ideas and, and share some reflections and insight is a great thing to do. So when you said, you know, get four, four people around you. Um, so follow four people. I was thinking, you know, get a few people together that want to do your book. So if anyone out there wants to do that, if you want to get Catherine's book and maybe get together with a few friends, you can almost have like a little, your little mini book club of your own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. And I do actually have, which I didn't mention, I do have an online course based on the book as well. So um, that is uh, available on my website too. So that goes, you know, as a, as a deeper dive into each part of the book. Perfect. So that could be worked through in a group as well. Amazing. So many resources. So good. Hey, um, before we go, I know that you're in Tauranga, but um, is there anywhere in New Zealand or anyone that you want to do a little shout out to before we go? So one of my favorite places in New Zealand is Queenstown. Uh, love to go there in the winter months and uh, experience its beauty and uh, everything else that's there. We haven't been for a few years, but uh, yeah, we might be getting back there this winter. So we'll see. Yeah. So nice. So amazing. I'm going to do a little shout out to Christchurch where we spent seven years um, as a family, well, as a couple with no children, but then we had kids um, seven years before the earthquake. And then of course we ended up here, but um, shout out to all of our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today, talking to the amazing Catherine Price about how to trust your gut and live life on your own terms. We hope you're doing that. Thank you so much, Catherine, for joining us today. Thank you, Nat. It's been a pleasure. Oh, what a great interview with Catherine Price. She's so lovely. Um, Catherine, we talked about you know how to trust your gut and live life on your own terms. And I think that is such a great and timely message. Well, always, but specifically for now, after all the things we've been through in the last three years and all the challenges that keep coming our way, it's so good to just come back to trusting your gut and living life on your own terms. In that interview, Catherine shared some wisdom around slowing down to find the clarity, listening to the whispers, taking tiny steps, and of course, doing the work, <laughs> um, and building a solid sense of self. So, so much wisdom there. And of course, you can get her book. You can look her up, katherineprice.co.nz, and you can get her book and you can get some more wisdom from her. She has tons of followers, by the way, on Facebook. And so you can follow her there as well. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR. Reality Check Radio. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here with your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. And today we're going over to Australia. I'm going to be talking to Travis Bell, 
aka the bucket list guy. He is the number one in the world bucket list expert. I'm so excited to dive into this, Travis, because like I talk about bucket lists every week on my show. Um, so good to have you here. Welcome to the Up Your Brave show. Awesome. Start to be on, Natalie. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Hey, before we dive into like, how did you become the bucket list guy? How have the last three years been for you? Because you and I met when we were both judges on a kind of homeschooling project that our lovely friend Karen Tui Boys did. That's how you and I connected. That's um, right. But how generally, because we didn't really get a chance to chat, we were just judging their projects. How have things been for you? Where are you geographically in Aussie well, and how have things been on the last three years? Yeah, yeah. When I look back on the last three years, uh, not so fond memories because we had COVID, we had the pandemic and you know, so I'm a keynote speaker primarily. I do coaching and authoring and blah, blah, blah. But so I'm a keynote speaker. All right. So no big events are being held around the world. All right. That's cool. That's great for business. Sarcasm. Yeah. Um, no one's coming together. Uh, not let a fly. Uh, and I'm my topic is bucket lists. And so no bucket list happening. No, no. So at the end of the day, it wasn't good for the first of those three years, but for the last for the last year, it certainly has been. Everyone's bounced back, and I guess it's a blessing in disguise when you know the mess. My message isn't just about as you'll learn, isn't just about running around the world and ticking a whole bunch of stuff off your bucket list. It's really about mental health. It's about it really is a positive psychology message. How to have you know more meaning, purpose, and fulfillment in your life and. I think what we witnessed during the pandemic was a lot of people recalibrating on their happiness. So mm-hmm. a lot of people recalibrating on what gives them, you know, purpose and meaning. And so did a lot of had to pivot. Did a lot of virtual calls, a lot of you know podcasts like this. And um, but coming out of it, you know, we're back to we're back to levels, uh, unprecedented levels. Busy as a one-armed drummer now, which is uh, which is good. So you mean you as a speaker in demand now? People are ready to start thinking about their goals again in the future. Yeah, and 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 it helped me, I guess, uh, recalibrate on what I was actually, you know, what my message actually was too. You know, we live in a world that is pretty transient. You know, like I, I speak primarily. You know, I'm a keynote speaker, so with that. We've now got this weird hybrid environment within companies, especially uh, where we've got hot desks of people that are working from home and people that you know trying to run a company and trying to form any sense of culture or togetherness, mm. some sort of tribe, is is seemingly really really hard. Like a lot harder than it was pre-pandemic, right? Because people have opted to work from home more. They've, or they're coming to the office just a little bit. So, so trying to actually create some engagement and some stick is what I love really focusing the message on. And, and I did pivot the message towards that. Um, and, and about personal happiness, personal fulfillment um, in these times of the pandemic that we all faced. We all did the big recalibration. So many people started businesses, finished businesses, took stock and went, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be stuck in traffic anymore. I'm going to work from home. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to start a side hustle and and here we go. Because I wasn't happy, but it just 
it it just it was a forced it was a forced break that everyone took. Um, but yeah, back back to back to above normal now. And uh, you know, for the last year and a half, I guess I've been um, yeah been really busy. And people, the cool thing is about that environment is people, especially straight after the pandemic, people just love coming together again because, you know, even though we're more connected through social media and online and Zoom and, you know, like we are now, um, people actually just love coming together. We are mammals after all. We love being part of a tribe. That's part of our DNA. And you can see people, you know, at these conferences, annual retreats, et cetera, come together, of which I'm a speaker at, come together and really enjoy each other's company, I think a lot more uh, than they were previously. So that's just my perception. You know, also coming together, but also probably partly because of your topic, it's uplifting, but also fostering, I imagine, a deeper connection between people because it is a conversation starter or suddenly they're like, wait a minute, we've worked together for six years and I never knew you wanted to you know, whatever their thing is. Like, yeah. I never knew you wanted to like go skydiving. Like, oh my gosh, is that what you find? I've found that for the last 12 years. I've been the bucket list guy uh, for the last 12 years. So, um, you know, I've been, you know, which is crazy because I've, I've never had a job in my life. You know, I, I, I was a lifeguard, um, but I started my my first business in third year uni um, in the personal training industry. So I was a personal trainer for 20 years, founded and franchised a chain of personal training studios, did over 2 million personal trainings, not just me, but my team and I, um, over 300 personal trainers, you know, and, and did that for 20 years and, and franchised a, a chain of personal training. And so we helped tens of thousands of clients across Australia and their families. Um, went through about a depression. You know, things got really interesting, I'll say the least, uh, there were a period of time and had some cancerous sort of people and events that have happened to me in my life. Down this, you know, down the rabbit hole I went, pretty uh, pretty grim place. Um, but instead of going on the like the heavy antidepressants and putting basically a band-aid over the top of it, mm. I uh, that's that's where I went to the course. I forced myself to go to the courses, learn all about psychology, learn about NLP, learn about about all this stuff, you know, walked on fire with Tony and ayahuasca and Burning Man and, you know, trying to find myself a personal <laughs> development journey we've all probably been through and uh, I'm still going through it. And uh, a mate of mine about a year and a half into it said, Trap, why don't you teach this stuff? And it was like a light bulb moment um, and kind of over-personal training at that stage. And, uh, yeah, then literally a month, a month later I uh, put on a talk had to nearly pay the 40 people to come to that talk. Um, I packaged down everything I've been learning on my entrepreneurial journey as well. And about halfway through, I started sharing the fact that I had a list to do before I die, written down since I was 18. No one knew this about me. I started sharing it, inspired the group. And then uh, um, right at the end of it, Joe, one of the participants said, Trav, how's all this list to do before you die stuff? You're you're like the, it's like a bucket list. You're like the bucket list guy. <laughs> And I went, bing, light bulb yeah, moment. there it is. And I went home that night and registered thebucketlistguy.com. Now, here's the kicker. I was on the Google machine. And <gasps> I know. Like, Squatters, right? Yeah. Who's like the Mac Daddy? Who's like the king of bucket lists in the world? Oh, look, no one. 
So I literally called myself the world's number one bucket list expert. It's on the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I literally called myself the world's number one because no one else was. And uh, and now 12 years later, I'm probably more passionate about my topic and where it's gone. You know, it's an inch wide, a mile deep. You know, I, I talk- thought you were going to say someone else took the URL before you could get it. No, you got your hands on it. No, 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 no. I've got you know that's me and and um and defranchised my whole business went on you know went online and and now since then again for the last 12 years been spoke on what spoke on every continent so far except for antarctica so i'm still waiting for that antarctic gig <laughs> so anyone out there that wants a speaker uh, bucket list to come down to antarctica i'll tick that off the off the bucket list, but no, it's you know speaking, coaching, writing the books, doing the TED talks, um, and now we've got certified bucket list coaches around the world teaching this stuff as well. So, so founder and CEO of that with a business partner, and um, but more in, more fired up about what I do now more than ever, you know. So it's got better and better and better, and I can't believe as a serial entrepreneur, I'm um, I can't believe I'm still doing the same thing. Isn't life fascinating? You know, I often talk about this analogy of, you know, we go through life collecting experiences. You never really know where we're heading, but I love it for you. It's the personal training, which you franchised. It was massive, all these staff. So people that you obviously mentored, motivated, managed and things like that. But then having that bout of depression where you really had to like feel things and and navigate your way through and not take medication to numb the pain, but find strategies and tools. And then to bring that all together with this bucket list. It's just so cool the way life just ends up guiding us and we can call on those skills that we gathered on the way. Yeah, hundred percent. And it, and it's so, so the message is, you know, less about just running around the world and ticking stuff off. Mm. Um, that's easy. Anyone can do that. But it, 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 what underpins the message? I say, you know, a bucket list is a tangible life plan where your career plan and your business plan should fit into your life plan, not be the other way around. You know, so it really gives people a, a, a tangible why, a reason for getting out of bed in the morning, as it was for me. And it has done for a lot of people. You know, I talk about depression, I talk about mental health, I talk about engagement in life, both in mm-hmm. work and in life and, you know, relationships and all that sort of thing when I talk. And that resonates with especially the mental health thing, it resonates with at least 30% of the audience, you know, acutely. Um, so I guess I've spun the message to suit, to, to help, you know, even more people. Um, so the journey sort of started more off all about me, but now it's about we. It's about how much of an impact I can make. And through my coaches that I've partnered with, you know, we're all help, you know, helping more and more people, you know, year on year, which is really cool. So, yeah, it's um, but it's also given me license to run around the world and <laughs> all the stupid stuff, stupid shit that I want to do, and it's a tax deduction. Smart. Well, what I love is that topic. You know, it really resonates and it's relevant with everyone in your audience, but also today, obviously, it is relevant for everyone in my audience too, because everyone. I would imagine some people would say, oh, I don't have a bucket list or I don't, I can't really think of anything. But once you get the ball rolling, you give them a couple of examples. I mean, everyone can put together a a list of sorts of things that they want to do, be, or experience in their lifetime. So I'd love you to share with us 
you know, what are some of the common ones or the ones that you just see cropping up? And what is one that you heard someone have and you're like, wow, I have never heard that before? Well, we got, we got, um, how do you go for swearing on this? Well, we try not to. The S word is a little all right, but try not to. Okay. Okay. Well, still be yourself, but try well, not to. Uh, in the book, I go through, there's three types of lists, right? Okay. It is, um, and, and I'll circle back to your question. There's the future bucket list, which is what we all think, you know, is a, is a set of goals that we want that are personally meaningful to us. Um, and it's a holistic list. And that's all well and good. But we've also got a reverse bucket list. That's everything that we've done in our life as if it were in a bucket list all the way along. So it's important to do that mm. first, first bucket list before you do the future because, you know, we live in such a forward-facing world, the next thing, the next goal and that sort of thing that we forget about what we've actually done. But if you stop, pause, reflect and just for your listeners right now, if they just wrote down five things that they've done in their life as if they were in a bucket list all the way along, it's surprising what they'd actually, you know, dig up. My suggestion is to build out that list just as much as you build out your future list. Um, so obviously once you tick off something on your uh, future bucket list, it goes over onto your reverse bucket list and, you know, let's hope everyone out there lives a regret-free life and does everything that they want to do in their life and has the means to do it as well. Uh, to help them live a regret-free life. That's what, you know, that's what it's all about. Um, and so that's the human experience. You know, that's what we, we you know, Die With Zero, the, that book by Bill Perkins is about, you know, dying with all the experiences um, and be the example for others to follow, be the example of an adventurous, fun, kind um, person that's, Glass half full rather than half empty, right? And so the other, so we've got a reverse bucket list, we've got a future bucket list, and we've also got this other list, and it starts with an F, and it it, it rhymes with truck, a truck it a truck it list. Got it. Go with that, <laughs> and that's all that you don't want to do. Simple as that. So I went to Mount Everest base camp with Dad through Tibet, and we went to the north the north face of the north side, and we went up to a Crampon Point, which is 6,500 metres, and on that side of Mount Everest, uh, 6,500, you're between camps two and three on the Nepalese side, so you're pretty high, pretty pretty low on oxygen. Um, we weren't climbing to the top of Everest. Uh, we were just peeling off at advanced base camp. We went with a group of uh, 10 summiters, so my mate um, was having a crack at the top, and and he invited us to come along with their expedition team, which was amazing. And uh, I had climbed Mount Everest on my bucket list, of course, but I got to Crampon Point. I had a massive headache, like a serious hangover. I was throwing up in the morning. I didn't want to be there. I looked north, as in up in the air, and I could see the top of Everest, you know, the top that I could see. It was two kilometres more from where I was, and I went, no, nah, don't want to do that. I'm good. And so that went from my bucket mm. list to this truck at list that I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's a bunch of things that we just do not want to do and that's okay. It's not, you know, when, what's really special is when people are in, you know, my rooms, whether it be virtual or, or face-to-face, and we start comparing lists, mm. Um no matter how big, how small, as long, long as it pushes your, you know, pushes your comfort zone, 
and it gives you more of a you know human experience before your time is up. And for the most of the people that I speak to and who may or may not be on this podcast as well listening, one of the quotes that I'm quoted on most is, is people are dying at 40 and being buried at 80. A lot of people just give up. They just, they're existing, not living. They're living by this weird matrix default. I won't get into all of that, but this default rather than intentional design. So if I can, you know, give them a, a book, give them a, this, give them, you know, give them some tools, even get them to take time out of their life to work on their life, and that's a gift. And it tends to wake people up. It really does. And a lot of people, as you know, sleepwalking through their life. And I want to wake them up before they get a diagnosis because we all we all know people that get the diagnosis, whether it be close to us or us ourselves, and then they they reprioritize, you know, their life like in a heartbeat because they've got a use-by date. You know, so I just want to wake them up before they get given a use-by date. And it shouldn't take a diagnosis for them to recalibrate like that, right? So at the end of the day, um, it's really cool when people share their bucket list, but there's to be no, there's, you know, you can copy, cheat and steal from each other. It's okay. Um, and most importantly is there's to be no judgment. Mm. No judgment, no comparisonitis or any crap like that. Agreed. Um, because it's not a pissing contest. Mine's bigger than yours or anything like that. It, it doesn't matter. You know, I deal with people that are um, close to billionaires in some of the groups that I speak to and other people on government handouts. It doesn't matter. It's about having a fulfilled life by your own perception. And once you do, you know, put a whole bunch of small things on there, and big ones, but when you write this stuff down, the first step is to write this stuff down and just get it out of your head and onto a paper. You know, remember this stuff? This, this. Well, I'm showing the screen right now. This is called a pen. I know, amazing. And uh, this is called paper. So it does this crazy thing called writing, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Insert sarcastic voice. Um, you know, we're so busy on our daily to-do list that we forget about our bucket list until it's too late. So just like the movie, it's about two blokes that get given a cancer diagnosis and then they write a bucket list. It's a crap movie because it's about it's too late. You know, they should have worried about it before they got the diagnosis. That's why bucket list has got maybe a negative connotation with a few people. So what I would love on while I'll you're be- listening, while my gorgeous audience is listening to this, I would love that by the end of the, this interview, um, people would have written down maybe three things. My little challenge to you, three things on your bucket list that here's the key that you genuinely are excited to do, be, or experience. So it's not like, oh, I really should run the Boston Marathon, or it's like, oh, well, my friend, you know, wants to climb Everest. Like personally for me, climbing Everest. No thanks. Scuba diving? No thanks. Like these are things that I don't want to do. But there's no. a ton of stuff I do want to do. So what are some things? So I love that you shared the fact that you had with that. Uh, yeah. So when you're writing this stuff down, to add to what you were saying, Natalie, is when you're writing stuff down, this is this is the deal with any goal, right? Only but only worry about the what and the why mm. when you're writing this stuff down. Only worry about the what and the why, not about the how. It's not about the how. The how, you don't know how it's going to come together, you know, but it's not the point. Just tap into your, tap into what it is, 
If it is Boston Marathon, well, cool, write down Boston Marathon. And you've got a personal reason uh, why you want to do it. Very, very personal reason why you want to do it. Maybe it's a, a family thing. Maybe it's a personal thing. You're crossing off all the – it doesn't matter. But your personal why is the thing that drives you. Your, you know, your why is going to make you cry. And so if you look at, at a Leichhardt scale of 1 to 10, you know, the 8s, 9s and 10s in terms of inspiration for yourself, they're the things that you'll move heaven and hell to make to make happen, right? But if you really think about how you're going to put it together, you'll be consumed by trying to put the steps together. People don't climb Mount Everest, um, you know, think about every single step. They don't. They just turn up. There's going to be elements thrown at them. So how can you plan for that? But the thing is, if you actually just write stuff down for the first and get it out of your head and onto paper, that is actually the first step. And the world, the universe, whatever you want to call it, has a funny way of showing the how. Suddenly, and it's NLP, how we pick up information out in the environment, suddenly you'll be watching things on Instagram a little bit differently, a little bit closer. You'll take, you'll pay attention to news in particular to your true north, your bucket list items that you've, you know, um, you know, selected for yourself. You'll, you'll start paying attention to different conversations. And before you know it, you'll be creating all this kind of proof, evidence, ways forward that will create a path for you. But how will I love it? I love that you mentioned the why. Do you encourage people to write down the what? So that's obvious, but the why for each of their what's? Like, is that part of I it do. in terms I, of? I, I do when, when I've got time. Yeah. Yeah, I do when I've mm. got time. I think that's great. And, and some people, their what's is just because, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go to every country on earth before I die. Why? Because it's there. Yeah. You know, I want to climb that. Climb that. Why? Because it's there, that, you know, whatever. It's not my why, it's their why. Mm-hmm. But there can be really personal reasons why. And some ran- really random stuff comes up. Oh, my God. Uh, how long is this podcast? I've got <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me some of the common ones that we've heard before, but I'd love to hear some unique ones because I find not dropping into comparisonitis for sure, but when we hear what other people are doing, it's like, ooh. I never, I'm going to steal that, like you said, or I'm going to piggyback on that. I don't really want to do that exactly, but I'm going to do this. So I think it helps people to get the ball rolling. Oh, look, um, I've got a guy, I've got, I've got a guy right now, a mate of mine who's on a mission. He's just done his hundredth country. And that's, you know, that's, that's no mean feat to get up to a hundred countries. So he's trying to do a hundred countries before he has his first child. So he's, He's he's on a mission. <laughs> um, I I did one last year was was actually on my bucket list for eight years, and I didn't have the balls to do it. And that was a stand up comedy gig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I wanted to do it because not because I think I'm funny, far from it, but. I wanted to do it because it's it's all about the human experience for me and for others is all about just stretching the boundary, you know. And you never know, like I say, and I'll circle back to other things that people have done. I mean, I've got there's 600 suggestions 
there's 12 categories. The My Bucket List Blueprint is an acronym. So each letter stands for something. Wow. My My Bucket List. And it's designed to help people unpack what's in their head and get down, you know, get down stuff on paper. So each of the 12, it's like a 12-step program, <laughs> sounds like AI, um, but you go through the My Bucket List Blueprint and before you know it, you're unpacking all of this, you know, all this amazing stuff that it's only been a thought, you know, maybe down here, but now it's uh, now it's part of your list. So for me, it's helping people, you know, step into their potential. I, I, I've said for years, this isn't about ticking a whole bunch of stuff, you know, cool stuff off your list. It's really about how a person reverse engineers every aspect the aspect of their life in order to make the stuff come to fruition. It's the growth of them on this journey towards these self-imposed destinations. But more importantly, <clears throat> excuse me, not more importantly, it's about the person that exists on the other side. And that's the person that you do not know yet. And I'm going to say, how dare you go through your life? This one life that we have, how dare you go through this life and not get curiously excited about that? You know, that's what it's all about, right? People put a lid on it. They have a midlife crisis. They go, this will do. Really? You wouldn't wish that for your kids. You want them to, you, you want your kids to explore, get curious, have the best experience they possibly can before they kick the bucket. So why are you living this dull example? And don't, like you said, don't wait for some life-threatening situation or illness to come your way before you do it. Yeah, yeah. So I've had, you know, people put, um, you got all the travel stuff. They've, they've, you know, the My Bucket List Blueprint, it's actually, there's too much. There's, there's so many, you know, I'll give an example. You know, I gave a talk not too long ago. This girl came up, young, probably about 25, 22. Um, she, uh, she came up to me, you know, signing books and stuff like that, and she came up to me and was about, there's a, a, a line of people wanting to talk and question signing books and that sort of thing, and she was about five deep. And she was really looked looked like she was really nervous. And I, you know, I'm talking to people. I'm very aware of who are you know. I'm very aware of this stuff can trigger people as well. And I've had I've been full on abused. You know, like like I've had hecklers. I had a, uh, a, a it was a treasury conference. We had CFOs from all these publicly listed companies in this room at the high. I, I was a business breakfast. Everyone in a suit except for me. And I've got the tattoos and the, you know, dressed in my jeans and doing my thing. This guy gets up with it right in the middle and said, You, uh, this is shit and you are full of shit. Wow. I went, Wow. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't even had breakfast yet. Um, but I, you know, I went over to him, you know, the teacher, you know, the educator in me, I went up, you know, not confronted him, put my hand on his shoulder and said, oh, I value your opinion. Everyone else share that opinion? They're like, no, that's good. Um, but I could see a little tear in his eye and anyway, excuse me, sir, I love your opinion. And you know what? Sometimes I can be, 
Do you mind if we have a one-on-one after this? So we did. His wife was going through chemo. It triggered him and he was you know, not in a good place that morning. So um, this girl, five five deep, um, she didn't come up to, the, to, to speak to me. I could see her. She just darted off because she was getting too close to speak to me, not that I'm some celebrity or anything like that. Um, but then she, about two hours later she sent me an email. I give out my email address. She sent me an email um, and she said, Trav, I was in line and I, I got too nervous to talk to you. Um, anyway, here's my story. And she went into her own mental health battles that she was drinking, she was on drugs, going through depression on all sorts of things that they prescribed her. She was not in a good place. She's attempted suicide twice um, and she wasn't going to come today, but really, really stoked she did. She, she just said, Trav, you've done, I don't know, you've done something to me today. I went, cool. And I'm going to be really, I'm acutely aware of that. You know, I mentioned Lifeline. I let, I, I mentioned, you know, the, the uh, depression initiatives here in Australia because it was an Australian-based talk. You know, but but ring someone if this this talk is triggered. You know, mm-hmm. go and seek professional help. Um, I'm not trying to be Doctor Phil up there and solve everyone's problem. Um, I said, all right, cool. She's reached out to me, which is great first sign. And I'm like, all right, I know this. I said, um, I won't mention her name. I said, look, what was it about the talk? And she said, I've never thought about my bucket list like that. And it's given me it's given me hope. And I went, oh, you know, this is why I do what I do. You know, this, this is, yeah. Anyway, that's my why. And I said, all right, I've got to get on the front foot here. Yeah, it, send me, you know, send me your bucket list straight away. I want your bucket list like today, by the end of today, you know, just making sure that she's on the positive foot and, yeah. you know, regret her uh, reaching out to me. So I get, you know, make people accountable that way. She sent it back. What's the biggest one that you want to do? Um, I want to go to Italy and I want to do this and with my family. I'm like, cool, we're thinking positive here, not about the other stuff. I said, all right, all that's well and good, but, we, you know, to be honest, you know, Italy costs a lot of money. She's like, yeah, yeah, it does. I haven't got the time off work and blah, blah. What's the smallest, easiest to do thing that doesn't require any money, any time, you know, what is the, the low-hanging fruit on your list? And she said, this. And I said, do it today. And so she went and did it. I said, you've got to report back into me. Tell me, how, and I want you to do a selfie, all right, of you doing it. She did it. I said, what's the next thing? You know, just do do because we, you know, over here we're potentially triggered situation over here. So if you make people accountable, it's amazing what can happen. She did two or three, four things, and and we went back and forth. A week went by, and a month went by, and we lost contact. I assumed, safely assumed, that she was on the right path. And about a year later, I get this message just out of the blue. Hey, Trav, see attachment. (laughs) It's her with a family in Italy. Doesn't drink anymore. Off any antidepressants. Uh, doesn't try. Got out of a boyfriend, you know, boyfriend kind of relationship. Hasn't tried since. Um, and I'm just, I lost it. Still lose. Yeah, yeah, I actually got emotional when you said that too. And and so, 
And it's the, it's days like that, Natalie, that that drive me to help more people. And uh, you know, there's been a truckload of that stuff. Mm. You know, older, younger, um, and if I'm doing my bit and and helping change their narrative in their head um, by giving them some tools and and a, and a different way of looking through life, then game on. You know, that that's I can die happy doing that. Yeah, for our listeners listening in, I think those tools are so handy. Like when you were saying, you know, which one's the biggest one? What's the most exciting? And then which one is the low-hanging fruit? Like which one is the most doable? And then do it today. That gives you the momentum motivation. Yeah, rather than just having a list that sits there that it's like, yeah, one day, someday, like when and then. Well, travel, travel, for instance, is what a lot of people think of bucket list is all about. Travel is the most expensive thing and takes the most time. Mm -hmm. But then, then they're like, Living like and our whole retirement system, superannuation here in Australia is built around your four hundred one k in America um, is built around retirement. You know, I'm going to do my bucket list when I retire, dude. Too late. <laughs> so, and a lot of people think bucket list is travel, you know, which is expensive. And but no, there's there's I want that's delayed gratification. I'll be happy when syndrome. People waiting for the perfect time or someday to come around. Yeah. I want people to be happier now because being happier now gets people off things like antidepressants and gets people more engaged and we need better parents, we need better partners, we need, you know, our tribe, our mates, our colleagues to be happier now, not until later on. There's so many people waiting until later on, you know, delayed gratification. We live in a delayed gratification society and, and, you know, so a lot of people sacrifice their happiness to to enjoy later. You know, but that's not helping with mental health, is it? Help people be happier now. So that's that's my narrative that I'm attempting to impart. And at the end of the day, it, I've got a truckload of proof that it's actually worked for a bunch of people. So I'm going to keep keep doing it. I think the ripple effect is so powerful for people that are listening and they want to write or add to their existing bucket list. I know you've got the blueprint, so we can talk about your book in a, in a minute. I'd love to learn more. But do you suggest people have kind of like categories? So you said like the tr- there's the travel thing and maybe wellness or fitness or friendships. Like, do you find that helps people to to kind of brainstorm a bigger list? Yeah, I'm going to say, you know, have a look at the TED Talk. That was actually one of the things on my bucket list. I did it in front of 2,500 people at, in Melbourne here. I was shitting myself. Um, you know, normally when I'm on stage, I'm running around like a uh, like a monkey. I was like a cage monkey on the red dot. Oh, yeah, don't four step cameras, off the red dot. Four cameras on me. And if you look at it, I'm like about three minutes in of the 18-minute talk. I'm um, just super nervous and... Uh, <laughs> A lot of people have watched that, which is cool, and it gives you, you know, it gives you some one context, and then two, we go into the into the blueprint, and uh, which is what the book's all, all about. And we've developed an app and stuff like that. But you know, the, the I designed the my bucket list blueprint real quick. It it starts with M Y bucket list. So M, and this I'll go through this really quick. M stands for meet a personal hero. Y stands for your proud achievement. Um, B, buy that special something. U, ultimate challenges. C, conquer a fear. K, kind acts for others. E, express yourself. T, take lessons. 
L, leave a legacy, I, idiotic stuff, S, satisfy curiosity, and T is the travel adventures. Cool. So you go through all of that. You don't, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter which category it kind of fits into, but what, what I designed it to do is scramble your brain and, 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 and get you at least thinking these categories, which brings about not just about all the adventure and travel, it's also about legacy. It's all about what kind things that I can do, you know, while I'm here. Um, so, yeah, we've had there's some amazing stories that have come out of it. I love a good acronym. That is like the longest acronym I've seen, but I love how you can just reel it off. Yeah, it helps that I've got that right in front of me and I've done it a, a million times. But Okay, I'm going to ask you the questions I ask all my guests. One of them is the bucket list question. And then I would love you to tell us where we can get the book. So what is one thing you've done in the last year where you truly upped your brave? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say the uh, the the stand up comedy gig. Mm-hmm. Um, so did they laugh? Was it funny? So how's this? My mate runs this uh, place in, in Melbourne. It's called the School of Hard Knock Knocks. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Mori is linked in with all the stand up comedians, especially around Melbourne, and it's a comedy venue. So you do a stand up comedy course. Uh, so from on this uh, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you do three hours a night, and you're writing down writing down your um your 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 one liners or your jokes or you know, and you and ten other twelve other students or eleven other students. There's twelve students normally um, are led and coached by a stand up comedian, right? And you have got an online portal. It's really cool. And you, you you're basically getting up in front of everyone, standing on a stage at the at the venue in front of your fellow students, and you're delivering your thing, and um, with the idea of trying to put together a five minute bit. Because on the Thursday, you've all got to then sell tickets to a live gig. So literally, it's a baptism a baptism of fire where you you're just learning writing, and you don't know really whether you're funny. But you're all like, everyone sells tickets. So you've got 12 or so people selling tickets and they publicize it. And um, so we had a room of 120 people, which is pretty sizey. And everyone got up and did their bit, their five minutes. And then they had this two stand up comedians sort of headline the whole thing. Um, that's, that is the graduation. And so they film it. I've got it up online. Um, and thank God. People, I didn't give a shit whether they laughed at me or with me. I just wanted to laugh. So apparently in comedy, you've got to make people, you've got to get a laugh every 15 seconds. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So that's 20 laughs. That's essentially 20 laughs <laughs> in uh, in the space of five minutes uh, for engagement. And so I, as you can, as you now know, I can tell a story. And so I'm up there telling my stories and they're just like, mate, get to the funny. Yeah. You don't want all the flood. I'm like, oh god, I'm screwed. And people, people, everyone I told when I was doing the course, oh, you're a public speaker. You'll do keynotes. To, to, you know, you'll be fine. Not nah, had to undo all of that and just get to the funny. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was funny originally is just sick. <laughs> so I just don't. I had to really, uh, yeah, I had to really. So I had that on my bucket list for eight years. 
Um, and uh, yeah, that was a hell of an experience. Um, Netflix hasn't called yet. I don't yeah. know why. Netflix <laughs> has not called for that four-part series. I don't know. Maybe they've lost my number. I don't, well, I don't I'm going to go watch the video. I, I'm a tough audience. I don't actually laugh that easily in comedy-type scenarios. So well, I'll let you know. Um, bucket list. What is one thing on your personal bucket list? And here's the second part that possibly the Reality Check Radio audience can maybe help you with. Um. So, wow. Okay. Um, what's one of the most immediate ones? Oh, look, I've got I've got the you know every country on earth, and I'm I'm slowly working my way through those. There's seven man-made wonders of the world. I've got two more to go on that, being Christ the Redeemer down in Brazil and Petra in Jordan. I don't unless they and buy me a ticket, that'd be cool. Um, so, we don't buy tickets. <laughs> yeah. Swim with the whale sharks is one of the ones on my bucket list. Um, uh, I did one. Yeah, there's another one. Um, I did one during the pandemic too that, that people could probably uh, steal for themselves. I, I read 52 books in 52 weeks. So um, I use this as part of my stand-up comedy routine as well, that I did 52 books in 52 weeks. You know, this, it started at War and Peace with really fine, you know, fine, small font. It was about, you know, this thick, and it ended up in like Mr. Men books. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, I got the 52 done. Um, no, I read for, and they're the ones if you can see. Yeah. Me. So for those of you that can't see, which is everyone except for me, yeah. um, Travis is sitting there with this bookshelf behind him, which looks lovely, by the way. And he's like, "It's I a real bookshelf. Smart, it's not. It? It's not a fake background." Um, yeah. So those no. are the books you read. How cool! I actually read them, and and uh, but that was that was one, and and uh, and I haven't stopped. You know, it's just it's just part of my part of my daily routine now. Well, we'll let you know if we can help you um, swim with the, what did you say? Whale sharks. Whale sharks. That's okay. to go. Um, have developed an app. So that was on the bucket list. And um, I don't know whether I should make this public or not, but I'm on the short list for a reality TV show too. <laughs> well, I, good luck. They approached, they approached me. I didn't apply. Oh my gosh. Well, we'll see how, we'll see how you go for that. So that's great. Cause my next question is what is coming up for you in the next six months? Maybe a reality TV show, anything no. else? I could be out of contact for six to seven weeks. So, um, <laughs> on a, on a, uh, tropical Island. Oh my goodness. Um, surviving. All right. Well, how can people connect with you online? How can they buy the, your book if they want to, or just reach out to you, um, yeah. online and on your website? Yeah, here's the thing, guys. Like I I FYI, I give everyone my like trav at the bucketlistguide.com. Right. If and and please email me or connect with me, DM me on social media, um, Instagram, uh bucketlistguide.travbell, LinkedIn or Twitter, whatever. Like the doors open. I say that sincerely too. Um, and I just want to help people. Go grab a book, watch the TED Talk. It's called Life's Too Short by Trav Bell. I've got a mohawk. Mm. At, and I Do got you currently that. have a mohawk? So, no, you guys, he's wearing like, I don't know if it's man, man bun or man, man pony. Yeah, it's okay. a man. I just turned 50 too, Natalie. So I'm just stoked I've got hair, to be honest. Um, but now I'm sporting this man bun. But when I turned 40, mm -hmm. I got a, an FU 
uh, fu forty haircut. So that was wow. my mid crisis, and I got a uh, I got a, a mohawk, which was on my and I wore now, that. Now everyone's going to go and watch it to see your mohawk. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I had a mohawk for about I don't know about five years, I think. Um, but then, uh, yeah, no, grab watch the talk. Uh, reach out to me, trabatthebucketlistguy.com. Um, my website is thebucketlistguy.com. And yeah, grab you can grab a book from there as well. I just love so, the I love the consistency you of your of your marketing. Like anywhere you go, you guys, it's just the bucket list guy. You're gonna find him. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's so good. Hey, before we wrap it up, is there anything else you want to add or share with our audience today? I, you know, we all listen to podcasts. I want you to actually do something. Like, okay, so I want I I'm gonna make you all accountable. So if you are listening, watching. However you're getting this and you've got my email address, I actually want you to watch the TED Talk, read the book, whatever, and actually send me your bucket list. Oh, he won't, he won't read it. You know, that's the, that's the, the negative. Per- no, I will. And, in fact, I'm building from the, this book to the next book, I want 365 individual bucket lists from all around the world, and I'm slowly but surely collecting all of those. So you could be in my next book if you send it through. Mm, there you go. There's a challenge for We're our audience. We're getting yours, aren't we, Natalie? We're getting yours, yeah? Yeah, you'll get mine. I'll be yeah. in the book. Yeah, um, that's, that's our challenge for our audience to up your own brave, write your bucket list. Interestingly, I've been going on this show for, I don't know how many um, interviews I've done, but for over three months now. And I often yeah. say, hey, you know, send in a text to 2057 or send an email inbox at realitycheckradio.com. Um, realitycheck.radio, tell me your bucket list. And really they don't, they don't. It's not that I'm not reading them out people. So now with your guidance, with your inspiration today and with your acronym, I am imagining, I'm not just hoping, I really am anticipating that many people will create their own bucket list. They'll send it to you. Hopefully some of them will send, I don't need the whole list. Just send me two or three things um, for me to read out and inspire more people. Thank you so much, Travis Bell, AKA the bucket list guy. Uh, for chatting to us today. Thanks, Trav. Natalie, thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Well, I really enjoyed that interview with Travis Bell. I'm hoping you did as well. Not just enjoyed it, but I'm hoping that it spurs you on, what inspires you to create your bucket list, or if you already have one, to add to it, but not just add to it, to actually action it. And of course, he has this amazing acronym to help us brainstorm some ideas. Uh, when I, I did make some notes to myself, Um, and I'm going to send in my bucket list to Travis. You're welcome to do the same. Of course, you can get in touch with, um, with Travis, thebucketlistguy.com. And if you want to email him, Trav at thebucketlistguy.com. Love that consistent branding. Very easy. When I started to write things down, a lot of mine related to travel, which is interesting because I don't consider myself a big traveler. I'm a bit more of a homebody. Um, but I would love to take my family, my, my three kids and my husband to Canada, where I'm originally from, where they've never really seen, I've never really seen, I've never been to British Columbia or Nova Scotia or anywhere like that. Um, but not at the moment, because Canada is is very interesting with their rules and regulations and their philosophies and their politics at the moment. So I'll probably wait for things to shift a little bit there. Um, but I do have some other great things and I hope you do as well. We talked about the um, reverse bucket list. We talked about engagement in life and the concept of having a bucket list blueprint. 
And of course, also recalibration and living a regret-free life. That absolutely resonates with me. Saying to my sister just the other day, I was like, I don't really do regrets. Um, and I think that you know, living an empowered life is the goal. And that's something that we can, we can aim and aspire towards. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Chick Radio. If you like what you're listening to, or even if you don't agree with what you're listening to, then get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057, that's 2057. Or if you'd rather email us, you can at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We would love to hear from you, so get in touch with us now. What I want to achieve with RCR is conversation. And I think we have lost the art of conversation. With RCR, I just hope that people can learn that we can all be different. We can have our own opinions, have our own views and have those conversations in a respectful way because respect needs to be given and needs to be earned. And I think that we can prove that people of all diverse perspectives, ages, opinions can have a platform and we can work and talk together. And so that's what I hope we get to achieve with RCR. Just independent thought, alternative thought. And I, I expect that I will be castigated by many people for offering different opinions but you know as i've said before there is no such thing as a wrong opinion opinions are like noses everybody's got one the exchange of views fair debate no cancelling no interrupting no aggressive responses we want to hear what people have to say whatever side you're on and the listener the consumer with that information, can make of it what they will. That is the mission. It's a good mission. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. I'm your host, Natalie Cutler-Welsh, here on Reality Check Radio. And my next guest is a longtime friend and fellow business owner. I'm going to be talking to Kim Baird from Amazing Business. She is a business coach, a speaker, an award-winning author, and a mom of two. And we're going to be diving into the topic of the lies we live by. Welcome to the show, Kim. Oh, thank you, Natalie. It's so awesome to have you here, to, to be here. Sorry. It, it's great for you to have me. It's great for me to have you. We're all chatting. It's amazing. So before we dive in, because I'm so intrigued by this topic, the lies we live by, can't wait. Um, before we dive into that, though, if you can give our listeners a little bit of backstory. So basically, just give us a little um, window into who you are and how you got to do what you do and why is this topic so important to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so essentially, I guess my my journey into this kind of space uh, started about 21 years ago. And uh, myself and my uh, fiance then, we were about to get married. And a month off getting married, uh, he actually got made redundant from his high paying job. And I was studying at university at the time. And it was like the biggest blow in life. We're about to get married. He's kind of the, the the main breadwinner that we're about to start married life and boom, right out the gate. Um, he's been made redundant. And so our life kind of got flipped upside down. And this is kind of when the uh the dot-com bust happened and the IT industry went down. And he he was in IT. And so we really had a choice to make at that that time. And uh 
I think it was it was kind of a crazy decision, but the right decision, we decided to start a business. And that first year actually went pretty pretty good. But in the second year, we hit a massive uh, roadblock and the business started going downhill quite fast because essentially um, I finished studying at university. I jumped into the business and started building websites. That's what I was was uh, studying for as well. And we didn't really have any business skills. We were good at what we were doing, which was building websites for, for businesses, but we didn't have the business skills. And so our business nearly went out of business. And we ended up finding an amazing business coach that helped us get through that adversity and really turn that business around. And we built that business up to a very successful business. Uh, We were traveling around the world. We were having a great time. And then people were coming to us going, hey, how are you doing this? What are you doing? And so we we started helping uh, friends and family with their own businesses and decided that we actually really loved that uh, helping people and and empowering people and and helping people to kind of create their own lives and their businesses. And the interesting, so we we both trained as as business coaches and went into that business space industry and ended up starting a new business, which is amazing business, where we do help small business owners to create their businesses, create their amazing businesses, get more clients, and and really have that work life balance where it's not just all business, but it's actually, hey, what do I want to create in my life as well? Uh, and the interesting thing we found though, is once we got the necessary business skills, uh, through creating this business, we discovered that it wasn't really the business skills that were the main impact of the results that we were creating. It was really what was going on inside of us, our internal world, essentially our thoughts, our beliefs, our attitude, our perspective, our energy, in terms of what was showing up for us. And so we really dived deep into this area of like, how is our inner world helping to create our outer world? And as we you know, coached hundreds and then thousands of business owners, we really saw that it wasn't always the strategies that they, that they needed. It was the internal game that they needed help with. Because you can, you can have two different people and give them the exact same advice or the exact same strategies to create the results that they want in their life or in their business. But you'll get two very different outcomes from that. And a lot of that comes down to their internal world and what are their beliefs going on? What are their stories going on? What are their their thoughts and their feelings that are happening inside them that are then either helping to support them create their results that they want or completely stop them. And so coming back to the lives we live by, we're all, myself included, telling ourselves lies that we're not necessarily aware of, but that are kind of stopping us and slowing us down from creating the life that we actually want. So intriguing. Uh, I think I'm, I love this because although you mainly work with businesses, the, the topic we're going to dive in today is totally relevant to anyone, whatever industry uh, they're in or whatever they're doing in their life. You're talking about inner, you call you call it inner game. Um, what are the things that, you, what are the lies? What Are there some specific common lies that come up a lot that you just see time and time again? What are the 
common yeah. lies that people are telling themselves just so I that mean, we get, so that our audience starts to kind of get the picture get of what, the picture, what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'll give you a classic example, right? So about uh, 18 months ago, I was telling myself that I was getting heaps of exercise. Um, I was walking heaps and I was, I was, I was, you know, doing really great stuff for my health. Right. And I had resisted getting like a, you know, a smartwatch for a long time because I'm quite sensitive to like EMFs and stuff like that, the electromagnetic waves. So I had to find a watch that didn't have Bluetooth on all the time and everything like that, because it actually affects my system really badly. So I finally found this watch that could track my steps. And lo and behold, when I'm tracking my steps, when I got this watch, I was mind blown at actually how little I was moving. Right. So I had been telling myself, I'm getting out there, I'm going for two walks a day. I'm walking so far, but you know, until you get the actual data to <laughs> You're go kind of embellishing it <laughs> to, to go, oh my goodness, actually I was only work, walking probably 2000 steps a day, which in my mind was com- a complete mismatch from what was actually, you know, from what was in my mind of what I was thinking I was doing. The truth was very different. So that's an example of a lie that we can tell ourselves of like, hey, we're actually doing less for our health than we think we are. We can be telling ourselves lies about our our financial situation. Um, So another example is uh, during the GFC, actually, in 2007, myself and my husband found ourselves in really hard financial times. And a lot of that was out of the control because of the GFC. We had invested a lot of money in stocks and we lost a lot of money very quickly. And we put our head in the sand and this is going to be very relevant to a lot of people right now who are ignoring their finances and lying about it essentially, right? And going, oh, it's okay. It's sweet. It's fine. I, it, it'll all work itself out. Well, one day, so we thought maybe, 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 you know, we're in like $80,000 worth of debt. Maybe we sat down one day and we're like, do you know what? We just need to look at this and we need to take responsibility for this. And we need to know the truth of where we are because if you don't know the truth of where you are, you can't actually improve on it. So we sat down one night and got the shock of our lives when we found out we were $250,000 in bad debt. And that's not associated with a house or any assets. That is just bad debt. And some of that was out of our control. And some of that was because of bad choices we made. But ultimately, we had to decide, what are we going to do about this? We can't get out of this if we don't tell ourselves the truth and so that's what we did and then we took responsibility for that and really had to look deep down and be brave it's up it's up your brave right like looking at these lies that we're telling ourselves we have to up our brave and look at them in order to create the results that we want in our lives so i like that so look look at the lie and then you can take responsibility and then I would say take empowered action, right? Take so it's action. like then, yeah. you know, you know what's going on instead of just being like, I'm so fit. I'm doing all these things or the the finances are not that bad. It's so interesting. My husband for years has been trying to get me to wear a smartwatch because he's like, I bet you do like 10,000 steps or I just move around the house. Like I work from home. I don't really yeah. go that far, but I'm, I'm up and down and I'm in and out, you know, I'm couch to the kitchen and back again. Um, 
But it's sometimes it is good to have a reality check, which is what you did in both of those scenarios. Mm. Yeah. I mean, the you know, the thing is, it's like, it's really hard. We can make assumptions, okay? Those assumptions, those lies. And I'm using the word lies. It's really quite a harsh way of saying it because we're not conscious of it, right? It's, it's like an unconscious uh, thing that's going on that we're not actually aware of. And so I say it's lies, but it's just an unconscious thing that we're ignoring, right? Or we're not seeing. And so... Things like smartwatches or, you know, and you're looking at your actual finances and your bank statements, looking at the reality of what's going on can really help you to see the truth of what's going on and kind of pull back that that curtain. I'd love to know from our listeners, if you're honest with yourself, what lie are you telling yourself? The lie that you're currently living by, if you care to share, you can do that on the text 2057 or if you're more of an email person, inbox at realitycheck.radio. And you can either just send that to me anonymously. You can say, don't read it out if you don't want me to. Sometimes I just pick and choose. We have a lot of people messaging in. So thank you to those who do. Um, I don't read all of them out, but I do read some of them out. It's just good to share some of the takeaways. And hopefully for some people, this will be that turning point moment where they go, okay, <laughs> it's time for me to look look in the, look in that um, issue in the eye and to move forward. What else, Kim, what else do you see people lying to themselves about? Uh, I mean, there's some common themes that do go on. We lie to ourselves in any area of our life. Um, there's a lot of lies in relationships and the manipulation that we partake in in relationships. And, you know, I've been married to my husband now for 21 years and we have an amazing relationship and it's not always easy, but one of the things that we do really well is we have those difficult conversations where it's like, what am I doing that's actually causing problems in this relationship? And how can we work on this together as a team? So there's a lot of lies that go on in relationships. There's a lot of manipulation and controlling that goes on. And this is between spouses. This is between parent and children. This is between work colleagues. This is between family members. Um, you know, that's another really big area. I mean, relationships are a massive part of our lives, right? And so what we can do is lying to ourselves about our role in a relationship can really break down that that true connection that we can have to have more amazing relationships. And so often we can, it's so much easier to sit and blame other people and to judge other people and to put put the, the blame of what's going wrong in say a relationship or any part of our lives on someone else, you know? Uh, it's harder to sit there and really sit and look at ourselves and observe and ask those questions to go, what is my part in this and how am I causing this to go wrong? And I do want to say as well is that it's not about beating yourself up. And that's really, really important because we're all doing this. We're all lying to ourselves. 
it's really about sitting there without the judgment and without the criticism and going, how can I make this better? And until I've actually been truthful with myself, which is uncomfortable, it is hard. You are having to up your brave here, right? <laughs> to look at this. But if you can sit there and go, ooh, actually, I was really manipulative in that moment. And that was destructive to that conversation I had with my friend or my spouse or my child. Then you can make things better. And communication is such a massive part of relationships that uh, how we communicate uh, is so important to creating those amazing relationships. And when you've got an amazing relationship, oh my goodness, it's just, it's fabulous. It doesn't mean there's no challenges. Doesn't mean that, you know, obstacles aren't going to come up, but it does mean that you can have a way more fulfilling, fulfilling relationships with the people in your lives and the people that matter to you. I think we can use this in all areas. I'm a mind mapper. You know, I like to make mind maps. And so I would be tempted for myself. I would be tempted to go. So I'll have like a circle that says wellness and a circle that says fitness and the the finances and the relationships and the business and the parenting. So there's all these kind of categories or areas of our lives that all of us have various versions of what I just said and kind of asking yourself, okay, where am I not being truthful with myself? You know, or where am I lying to myself in the area of, and really looking at it I think it can be quite refreshing because quite often we're encouraged to have goals and to revisit those, you know, six months into the year, but this is slightly different. This is just kind of going, okay, let's, it's an honesty, like a check-in with yourself. It is. And it's really, you know, I like to look at it as a place, more of a place of being empowered. It's not a place, it's not an activity that you're doing to disempower yourself and to make yourself feel bad about yourself uh, because we have enough of that anyway. And that's another area where we lie to ourselves. How harsh are we being on ourselves? How, How much are we not looking after ourselves and our mental well-being, right? It's a whole other area that we lie to ourselves about. But it is about choices. We can see the lies we're telling ourselves we can see those beliefs or those thoughts or those feelings or those patterns that we're having and then we can when we see them we can make a choice about that so you know when I got my 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 watch and I realized how few steps I was actually taking I could have gone okay cool that's I can either continue to do this or I can make a choice right? And so not everything that we bring up, we have to change as well. Mm-hmm. But f- when we know about it, we can then make that empowered choice and go, am I going to be happy with this and own own that that space of, no, actually, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm good. Or are we going to make an empowered choice to take different actions and make things different? You know, I had a I had an incident kind of, I'd say, around mid-June where I got bullying again from some of the local moms in my group and mm-hmm. in the Facebook group that I run, 2,000 local moms. And this happened before when I expressed my concerns around um, the vax and specifically around teenagers. So I got a lot of pushback then. And, and again, this time I got a lot of pushback because I was encouraging people to ask their school what they were teaching in sex ed class. And I did a whole show about that. So you guys, if you're listening and you missed it, you can watch the replay, listen to the replay. 
Um, but interestingly, my husband and I were talking about it in the kitchen and he said, well, do they know how upset you are? Because the lie that I tell myself is I'm fine. Like dust myself off, move mm. off, dust myself off, move on. You know, I'm, I'm very resilient. I'm very confident. I'm v- all the things, which is true. But I'm, I was also very upset, which you could tell because there were multiple swear words coming out of my mouth. Um, just about the whole, just, I guess, disappointment and how women can treat other women, honestly. Mm. And, but he, he was basically being in a really great way, calling me out and saying, well, you know, maybe you're not as fine about this as you, as you think you are, because I'm so overly diplomatic in the way that I deal with it in the group. Yes. Um, but that was really good. And then just, you know, so then I ended up doing a little bit of a post on Facebook just to my friends, but just because they just see me as someone who doesn't get ruffled and doesn't get upset. And and I'm, I'm very, very, um, and I generally don't, but I think it's important, you know, to acknowledge, actually, this is bothering me more than I'm letting on. Yes. And I, I mean, that is a really good point because that is, especially in, you know, New Zealand and the Kiwi way of like, oh, it's, I'm fine. Right. Mm. Uh, we do have that of brushing things off and kind of not being honest with our own feelings and how much they're hurting us. And I also want to honor you for listening to that feedback from your husband, because that's really difficult. And that's another area where we can not be the best in relationships. And, you know, people will ask me like, well, how do I, how do I find out these lies? Well, you're your spouse, your your partner, they know. They know. Your kids are amazing at seeing your lies. Now, a lot of parents will not actually let their kids give them feedback. Okay? Kids might speak up and go, oh, well, hey, you're being a hypocrite or you're doing this. And a lot of parents will shut their kids down for saying that to them. And actually what your kid is doing is giving you, it could be valid feedback. You know, not all feedback that your uh, that your teenagers give you is, is you know, you're not necessarily going to want to take it on board. But have that have that conversation and actually listen to it. And this again, it's not comfortable. It's it's hard. But if someone is telling you that you've got a pattern or you've got a behavior that you're not actually aware of, and we all have them again, right? We all have them. There's no judgment here. There's no shame here. It's just an opportunity to go, hey, does is this valid? And do I want to change this? Or am I happy with how I am behaving? Or am I happy with this pattern? Very powerful. Very powerful. So powerful. Yeah. When you when you take that on board. And I, you know, just in the last week, I have had a conversation with my teenager where my teenager has told me about a bad parenting behavior that I have and brought that up with me. And I don't react to that. Like I'm not, I'm not getting angry at him for that. I'm curious about it. I'm like, tell me more. What do you mean by that? What should I do differently? How would you see the situation being better so that it works for everyone? You know, it's about really being curious and inquiring rather than that natural response to just have that feedback and that reaction of like, no, you're wrong, or no, I don't do that, or don't be ridiculous, right? And we can just shut it down completely. That's not going to help anyone in relationships to move forward when we're putting up those walls. I think also if we can encourage our kids to, in a 
not not necessarily eloquent way, but to effectively express to somebody if they're a little bit out of alignment, I would call it, but um, if they're lying to themselves. And if we as parents can be open to hearing that, and I wrote down, you know, let your kids call you out. Like, mm-hmm. let them call you, call you out if you are actually doing something that is out of alignment or kind of hypocritical to what you're you're saying. I think that's a great skill that we're allowing them to practice in the in the home environment. Absolutely. A skill that is going to serve them really well in life as well. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So the lies we live by, hopefully we're raising some people's awareness around this for themselves. If you feel up to looking at it, looking in the mirror, great. Um, what other what other tips and a, a guidance do you have for us? I know you you talk a lot about the inner game. You do a lot of work around that mindset piece. So, you know, in terms of what everyone's been navigating over the last three years, challenges, self-reflection, you know, learning about things, what other bits of advice or guidance can you give us that's not necessarily for business, but just more general guidance for us here in in society? Yeah, I think, you know, like so often we can look outwards at all the external things that are going on and we can really empower ourselves more by looking inwards a bit more and going, what can I do to help society? What can I do to help my own life, you know? sort out your own ship before we're like going out there uh, putting judgment and opinions on everyone else. It's like, what is going on in my world that I need to kind of look at and sort out? Um, Obviously you can do both, but it's important that we're looking inward as well and doing it from a place of empowerment and knowing that it's like all the chaos out there, it has an effect on us, but we also have a lot of power and choice about the decisions that we make and the things that we can do to make our own lives better and the community around us better. And what what's something that you've done maybe in the last year or so where you've done that trying to make, I know you and Andy do a lot. I know Andy does a lot of cool rock climbing and stuff with, with local kids. What, what, what's something that you've, I don't know, been part of that you can share with us? Like just a good little good news story if you've got one. A good news story, you know, um, yeah, so Andy runs these open days at the local crag down at um, Mongeray Springs, and so he's really helping people to get out there and um, get more active, be in nature a lot more. Uh, for me personally, I've been really working on our own house system Um both of my kids have really needed extra support over the last few years. And as much as I have wanted to run out there and go and help lots of people, um, my priority and my focus really have been around them and helping them to navigate this time and helping myself too. I'm, as you know, I'm a very big giver. And so my natural tendency is to go out and, and help everyone. Um, but it was actually harder for me to sit back and go, do you know what? I need to look after my own health and well-being and my family unit's well-being right now, um, rather than rushing out and and helping lots of other people. Doesn't mean I wasn't helping people as well, but my main focus and priority has been around our family unit 
and making sure everyone's good in that unit so that we could move forward. Well, that is, I mean, that's key. And, you know, even within our own family, you know, something I've been saying to the kids for years, you know, let's say we're all, when they were younger, trying to get out the door and Ruby's saying to Jonah, Jonah, find your shoes. Jonah, do this, do that, Xavier. And she's telling, bossing them around. And I would go, Ruby, (laughs) worry about yourself. Focus on yourself. Like, do you have everything you need? Okay, then get in the car. You know, like, so my message to them is not so much worry about yourself, but focus on yourself, meaning get yourself sorted. Make sure you've got, you know, whatever it is, your phone and it's charged and you've got your shoes or whatever it might be, rather than telling everyone else what to do. And I think that's a little metaphor for exactly what you're saying. Sometimes we do need to focus on our very own inner world, whether that's our actual self as an individual or the inner world of our family specifically. And then other times it might be, okay, now it's time, you know, I'm focusing on the outer world because at the moment, and I feel like we can shift and change depending on where we're at. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, I, because I've such a, generally such a big giver, I burnt myself out five years ago. And so it was really, again, that was a lie I was telling myself of like, oh, I'm fine until I wasn't. Mm. And it really took me, I mean, I'm I'm still recovering from that, to be honest, five years later uh, with my health, because it takes a long time to recover when you have completely got to burnout and you've given everything you can to everyone else and you haven't topped up your own tank. And so the last few years was really about actually going I need to honor myself and I need to recharge my own batteries because I'm no use to anyone else if I'm completely depleted and I'm burnt out and my health is broken down. And, you know, this is very common in in women that are trying to do it all where we can be running around going, oh, everything's fine, everything's fine. And then we have a big health challenge and it will take us out. And so I'm really passionate about helping people to see, you know what, we need some balance in our lives and we need to be recharging ourselves and looking after ourselves. It isn't selfish. We can help more people when we are topped up. And that's advice that we hear. But of course, actually listening to it is another thing. And I, a few weeks back, I did an episode with Melaine Lee Butler. We talked about aligned living and specifically human design, which most of my audience knows I'm super obsessed with, but I, you know, there are certain, some people are more susceptible than others to burnout. Mm. Um, and so that's, I mean, this, the advice of having balance and being aware and don't burn yourself out is great general advice. But in my experience and my research, there are some people that are more susceptible than others. They just can't go at the same pace um, or sustain it as, as others. So um, there's lots of factors, of course, but I think it's you raise such a good point. It's like if we give, 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 we end up empty. And in, in my world, there's this phrase called generosity burnout. Uh, I didn't coin the phrase, but it's it's very common. You know, it's it's like it's people overgiving to the point of having nothing left. And then, like you said, they crash. And usually that's a health situation. Yeah. And and it is another lie that we tell ourselves. So generally the overgivers, we we forget that there has to be a receiver. Okay. Like there is a duality that needs to happen at the same time. In order for us to give, someone has to receive. And if there's no receiver, we can't give. So 
someone who is receiving is doing us a favor by letting us give to them, which means that if we generally ask, you know, like our givers, we don't, we're not very good at receiving. And often that's because we can have some beliefs in our head of around actually not feeling worthy, trying to prove ourselves that we are valid and enough in this world. And so we want to keep giving. We want to be seen as great people, as kind people, as givers. And But what we forget is we have to have those receivers. Those two have to both exist. And so if we're not good receivers, we're actually denying people from giving. And so we're taking that away from people. And so I always encourage people, be really great givers and really great receivers. You need both in order for that to work. Not just focusing on give, 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 give. You have to receive as well. Do you think some people give and hope that others will offer to give to them and and they're just kind of waiting? Or do they, yeah, like they're not giving so that they do receive. They genuinely want to give. But I think sometimes we, you know, we do what we desire. You know, we we behave in ways that we would love them returned back to us. So I feel like surely some people will be giving and generous, whatever that looks like, whether it's, you know, gifts or acts of service or quality time or whatever, and kind of in the hopes of having some of that returned to them. Yes. And that comes down to our, you know, ex- expectations, right? Which are part of our inner game. What are we expecting from other people? in return and as you brought up like the love languages our love language is normally quite different from our partners or our children's or our friends love languages and so there can be a real mismatch there it doesn't mean that there's problems in the relationship but it's a mismatch right so our expectations of what we're doing can actually cause problems Mm. because if say you're a gift giver and I have this I have a friend who her love language is giving gifts and every time we caught up she would give me a gift (laughs) and my my least my lowest love language is gifts so I I actually for me gifts actually drive a relationship further apart (laughs) Mm. Um, because for me often people give me gifts that I don't, they don't resonate with me. And so I feel like there's a disconnection in the relationship because I feel like, you know, the story I had for a long time was, you don't know me. You don't see me. You don't understand me. You're giving me this gift that Mm. doesn't make sense to me. And so, but for her, her love language is gifts. And so I had a lot of tension in this relationship for a long time because she kept buying me gifts and I didn't really like them. And it was like, what do I do here? And she was feeling like, oh, well, I always bring you gifts and you never give me gifts. And what I, you know, understood looking at it, I'm like, oh, this isn't about a bad relationship here. I, you know, I've had this friendship for so long, um, you know, since we were in school, school days. And what it is, it's just, She's got a different love language from me. And I have stories, you know, like limiting stories around gifts because of my experiences. Mm. And this is where a lot of our inner game comes from is our upbringing. It's our experiences we have through life. They shape those beliefs and those thoughts that we have, which then help to 
you know, create our perception and our attitude about life going forward. And so, you know, what I finally understood was, oh, right, her love language is gifts. So I should buy her gifts. And last time I caught up with her, I bought her a gift. And oh, my goodness, just (laughs) the pure joy she had on her face has been amazing. And that simple act has brought us closer together than, you know, the previous like 20 years that we've been friends because I showed her in her love language, hey, I care about you and I acknowledge you. To her, the actual gift is not important. It's the act of giving a gift. Mm -hmm. For me, if I'm giving a gift, I really want the person to, I really want it to be the most amazing gift. And for, for me to go, hey, I really thought about this gift and I see you and I acknowledge you. And so I find that really difficult because I'm like, oh, well, what do I give that really gives that off? But that stopped me from giving gifts in the past. So again, that's a lie I've been telling myself where I'm like, do you know what? I see that gifts are important to her. I should just buy her a gift. And she just thought it was the most amazing thing. A simple gift. <laughs> you know, it can so be such a game is, changer. It can be such a game changer. But those little kind of uh, perceptions or stories we have can really break down a relationship or stop money flowing to us or break down our health so easily. Absolutely. You know, it reminds me, I had somebody on my my doTERRA team, my essential oil team, and I'd always be like, hey, let's do a photo shoot or I know, why don't we go shopping and we can get some clothes for your brand, do some photos. I can help you. I can teach you how to do reels on Instagram, you know, and I'm, I'm bombarding her with all of my offers to do things that I love doing, things that I'm good at. And things that she has absolutely no interest in. Um, And it's, you know, flash forward a few months later and she's like, I just feel like you don't support me. And I'm like, what? I offered you to do this and I offered you to do that. And she's like, but I didn't want that. And I realized, you know, words of appreciation was her love language, not Mm. acts of service, which is what I was trying to do. But of course they were acts of service that I thought was fun and and was going to be helpful to her. So I think you're right. I think once we start to see or listen to, what people's love languages are, then we, and we don't make the, up the stories like you going, she doesn't know me at all. Why is she giving, well, she does know you. She just really loves giving gifts. It brings her exactly, joy. Exactly. Because we can make up these absolutely ridiculous stories that aren't even true. And so that's where the power of communication comes in. If you want a practical tip of what mm-hmm. we can do more, we can talk more. We can ask more questions. You know, if you're confused about what someone in your life is doing and why they're doing it, ask them, why are you doing this? What, why is this important to you? What does that mean to you? And I guess another practical tip is the quality questions. So, so often in life, we ask really unhelpful questions that don't support us. Like, why am I so dumb? Why am I so useless? Uh, Why do bad things always happen to me? Why can't I get ahead financially? They're not empowering questions. They're really detrimental questions that are going to create more of that in your life. You want to know why you're dumb? Well, the universe will show you why. It'll put lots of things in front of you to go, hey, look, look how dumb you are. But it's like if you start to change your questions into quality questions, into empowering questions that are going to get you the outcome that you want, then you can start to change things. 
So quality questions might be like, hey, what would it take for me to improve my health? What would it take for me to have a better relationship with my children? What would it take for me to be able to make more money this month or get a better job or grow my business? Like we're right now, you know, New Zealand's just announced we're in a recession. So business owners everywhere are going, oh my goodness, I, I'm going to go out of business. Business is going to go down. Instead of getting into that headspace and that loop, I start asking the question, how can I get more clients this week? How, what, do I, what actions do I need to take in order to move my business forward? I'm so happy you mentioned that. I'm pretty sure it was about five or even more years ago when I interviewed you and you talked about this concept of quality questions, which is timeless. Um, it's such a good reminder because otherwise we can get into that negative kind of victim mentality questioning. So you're right. It's not just ask questions. It's ask quality questions. And I love that phrase. So everyone write it down if you can. What would it take dot, dot, dot. And there you go. It's and one of the most like powerful tools I've ever come across. You know, I've been doing kind of personal development mindset uh, work and research for, you know, nearly 20 years. And in all that time, this is the most powerful, practical, simple tool you can use in your life to create change. Ask better questions. Ask quality questions that are going to help you to actually create what you want. Mic drop. Boom. All right. Let's go to the four questions. Now I've got questions for you. Um, <laughs> what is one thing you've done in the past year, Kim, where you truly upped your brave? Ooh, good question. I, I do you know, I generally try to live my life upping my brave. And so when I see something, I try not to shy away from it. And I try to connect with the why of why I'm doing it. Um, so I've got two that I want to share. One of them is a personal one, uh, which was we switched our daughter's school at the start of the year and it was the riskier choice. It was a one that had the potential to go very, very wrong. And just intuitively, I I felt like it was the right choice to make a massive shift. She wasn't a, spe a specialized school. And so we moved her into a mainstream school and it was, oh, it just felt like the biggest, scariest risk. And we did it. We went ahead and did it and it's worked out amazingly. There was a really rocky transition first term, shall we say. And, and I think this is the thing when we make these big, brave choices, they don't necessarily go smoothly to start with there can be some challenges and some ups and downs. And so we had that. So uh, personally, switching schools for her was a real big up my brave. And then professionally, I think just getting myself visible more and ready to help more people this year. So like I said, I've, you know, kind of had that focus a lot on uh, family and health the last few years. Been My business has been ticking along and, and great with long-term clients. But this year, I've really put myself out there and up my visibility and, and ready to help more people. Awesome. You know, switching schools, we could do a whole show on that. We did the same thing with our daughter at year 11, swapping schools. That's a big mm -hmm. step. Um, but sometimes you just, you know, you do that up your brave. You're like, this just, I always said to my husband, this is not okay for me. Like, this is not good enough, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so sometimes you just know you need to make a change and it's scary, but it's so great when it works out. It is. It is. 
That's amazing. All right, let's talk about the bucket list. What is one thing on your bucket list, something you would love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime that we can possibly help you with? I would really love to, it's kind of in the recent, in the, you know, immediate future is to really help small business owners through this time. You know, we've, the business owners are kind of faced with so much um, challenges at the moment and we're going through harder economic times and it doesn't have to be a place where their businesses need to go downhill or they need to feel disempowered or victim to the external circumstances. So I would really love to help a lot more small business owners to feel empowered during this time and really take action and move their businesses forward. Awesome. Okay. Well, if you're a business owner and you want help in that department, you can get in touch with Kim. In fact, my next question is how can they get in touch with you? So let's do that one. How can people find you online or reach out to you? Uh, So the best place to find me is at my website, amazingbusiness.com. So that's amazing, A-M-A-Z-I-N-G and then business, B-U-S-I-N-E-S-S.com. Uh, amazingbusiness.com or you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn and connect with me, reach out, send me a message and and I'm happy to have a chat and see how I can help you to, to grow your business and move it forward. So on Facebook and LinkedIn, it's Kim Baird, which is B-A-I-R-D. Yes? Yes. Perfect. Okay. What's coming up for you in the next six months, either business or, or personal life? Like what's, what does the future hold? What does the future hold? I'm actually... Uh, running one of my popular uh, programs called Awaken You're in a Game. So that's starting at the start of August, uh, which is a mate. It's all focused around this inner game work. So shifting your mindset, shifting your inner game in order to help influence and create the results that show up for you. So getting clear on getting clear on what you want to create first, because that's really important. If you don't know where you're going or what you want to create, it's really hard to create anything. Yes. Um, so getting the clarity and then actually helping you uh, give you the tools to shift your inner game and then giving you the plan to help make it happen. And that's all tailored to what you want rather than, you know, hey, you should go and do this. But it's all about connecting with yourself and going, hey, what do I really want to create in my business and how am I going to do that? I love that so much because I always talk about what do you want to courageously create? And I love that you help people do that. In fact, I think I went to one of um, your Awaken Your Inner Game events many years ago. Is this in person or online for people? This is online. So this is anyone, you know, anywhere can join it. It's a six-week program. We'll have weekly uh, group Zoom calls where we dive into different topics over the six weeks. And then um, there's also like a membership site and a Facebook group so that, you know, the community can grow and question and build together. Nice. Okay. You guys can find that amazingbusiness.com, I guess. Yes. All the details are there. Amazing. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, Kim, is there anything else you'd love to share with our audience around the topic of the lies we live by or anything else? Yeah, just... You know, we're in interesting times right now. We're in a lot of chaos. And I really just want people to take away that they have more power than we are told or led to believe in order to create the outcomes that we want. Um, So be empowered by this time. Ask questions, ask questions of the world, ask questions of yourself, and know that you can create great things. Yes, you can. Thank you so much, Kim, for joining us today. Thanks, Nick. 
Thanks, everyone. So many great tips there from Kim Baird, Kim from Amazing Business, really around mindset. And I love that it's so applicable to anyone, even if you don't have a business, it's so helpful. The, I love her concept of quality questions. It's something Kim told me about so many years ago, and it's just, it's always a winner. I love it so much. She asks, what would it take? So ask yourself, what would it take? Dot, 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 right? Um, such a great um, opener to get your mind to release and allow things to happen instead of trying to force things and, and getting stuck on the how, as we say. In that interview, we talked about looking at the lies you tell yourself, whether it's fitness or finances or friendships. And just kind of doing a bit of a reality check, of course. Um, we, she also talked about letting your kids call you out. Yes, letting your kids call you out, asking quality questions, like I mentioned. And I love that she also brought up the love languages because I love the love languages. And I find it so helpful to realize what your partner or your kids' love languages are. And of course, you know, everyone has all the love languages, but two of them will bubble to the top as such. Um, as the way that we prefer to give and receive love. And it's so great because that can help to bridge the gap when there's a little bit of disconnect around someone feeling loved. Sometimes it does come back to love languages. So, so helpful there. And Kim did mention she's got a course coming up and I'm pretty sure it's coming up super soon. You can look that up. Um, you can go to amazingbusiness.com generally, but if you want to find out about her upcoming course, which is Awaken Your Inner Game, and you can do that quickly. It's awakenyourinnergame.com. And you can find out about her program, which I definitely recommend. She is totally amazing. Her and her husband, Andy, are awesome. So check that out. Um, and yeah, just basically thinking about how can you get real about the lies you're telling yourself in your own life? And how can you tweak maybe um, your own inner game, your own mindset, so that you can live life, you know, and live a life you love, which is everything that we're talking about today really comes back to that theme of the week, which is living and creating, courageously creating a life that you love. You're listening to Up Your Brave on RCR, Reality Check Radio. Welcome back to the Up Your Brave show. And it's so great to chat today about living a life you love. At this point in the show, I love to do a little bit of a flashback. So if you're just joining us, we had three amazing guests already. You can, of course, go back and listen to the replays. We had Catherine Price talking about trusting your gut. We had the awesome Travis Bell on bucket list living, and then Kim Baird on awakening your inner game and the lies we tell ourselves. So coming up now, I'm excited to share with you, if you missed last week's show, this is a little flashback from my interview with Dan Monroe. So Dan is a Kiwi. He lives overseas, um, but he comes home for every summer here in New Zealand. And he had some really great insights. His area of expertise that he helps people with is around confidence and being true to who you are. And he, the topic is, of course, nice guy syndrome. And so I want to share a little flashback here for you. And of course, you can listen to the whole thing on realitycheck.radio. Here it is, Dan Monroe on nice guy syndrome. Something that I saw you do a video on, and you talk about um, reputation, but you're actually talking about inner reputation. Can you elaborate on that? <clears throat> sure. Uh, it's actually my client, one of my coaching clients came up with that term. I'd never thought of it like that before. So reputation is 
something that everybody cares about to some extent, probably almost everybody, but somebody who's a people pleaser or a nice guy, somebody with social confidence issues, it's one of their number one concerns. Basically reputation is a word to describe how does everybody see me? And a nice guy essentially constantly plays a role to ensure that that reputation is what he wants it to be, whether that's real or not is of no concern to him. He wants it to be the best possible thing he can think of. And so I'd call that, say, your outer reputation, what other people think you are. And if you focus on that and you try to make that as shining and and pleasant as possible and as likable as possible, the cost is the inner reputation. What you think of yourself gets sacrificed because you get to have one or the other, basically. You can either make everybody like you or you can like yourself, but you can't have both at the same time. You can't achieve both of those goals simultaneously. So inner reputation is the kind of sense and and thoughts and everything you get when you're lying in bed and you can't sleep and you've been reviewing your behavior over the last few days, weeks, maybe even years, and whether or not you're proud of what you're seeing, whether or not you like the person that you are, outside of the results you get from other people. You know, and... When, when we talk about inner reputation, what we're really talking about is how well your behavior aligns with what you really believe are your core values. Underneath all the crap that you've been taught or conditioned or programmed into thinking is the right way to be, what you always knew since you were a little baby what the right thing is, you know, your own moral code, your own principles, and how hypocritical you are, how close to that you are. The further away, I call that the authenticity gap. So the further that your actual behavior in real life is from your core set of principles, the bigger you feel this gap. You feel this distance between you and you. And that's the gap that makes you lie awake at night wishing you had said this and wishing you had done that. And inner reputation is when that's solid. So if you have been constantly impressing yourself with how principled your behavior is, with your own integrity, regardless of how other people react or the results you get, you might even lose your job from living with integrity. But you lose your job and you come home and you lie in bed at night and you go, that was the right thing to say. I stand by it. And that's a solid inner reputation where you like you, where you would respect you if it was another person, you would admire that person. Uh, And so the whole concept of my work is about building that inner reputation it's about even if other people don't like you and other people think you're stupid or they don't respect you or whatever you're able to metaphorically look in the mirror and go right on that's exactly the person it's the kind of person i hope my daughter brings home one day you know it's it's the kind of person that if they were my friend i'd count myself lucky to have them Mm. as a friend the kind of person i wish was my dad right that kind of thinking um, I think that's probably the best way to sum it up. Yeah. And I think in the last three years, more than ever, a lot of people have been challenged in that department, you know, really thinking like, oh, really hyper-conscious of the virtue signaling thing, you know, d- making a decision, even though it didn't feel right, or they felt pressured and things like that. I mean, I made mention, I think just a few weeks back of some bullying that I received recently, like once again, um, from my local, <laughs> local moms and, you know, I said once again to myself, you know, I'm not here to be everyone's best friend. 
And meaning like, you know, of course I want people to like me, but I am, it's more important to me that I stand by my values and I stand up and I certainly am one to jump in the ring if someone else is getting um, bullied or, or pushed back. So yeah, I think if we can as much as possible be proud of the way we behave. And I love that phrase about the authenticity gap that you mentioned. That's so good. Um, yeah. And I guess people do struggle with that a lot. And part of that leads to confidence because confidence is one of those buzzwords that a lot of people are like, oh, you're so confident, or I wish I was more confident. Is there a connection between this inner reputation and overall confidence? Oh, absolutely. Uh, a lot of times when somebody says something like, you're so confident, what they mean is I've got the impression that you're confident. <clears throat> and so often that's not actually the case because what we often call confidence, what we see as confidence is usually someone putting on a show to give you that impression, which means that they're not confident because a confident person doesn't put on a show. They've got no one to impress. Mm -hmm. by so true confidence, inner confidence where you like you, you would never want to switch places with anyone else in the world. This is the train that you want to ride on. You like the way this is going and you're invested in it. And you would sacrifice the approval of the mums group to keep being this person. That's how invested you are. You'd rather be alone and righteous than well-loved but fake, right? That kind of confidence is absolutely linked to integrity because you earn confidence. You impress yourself. That's, you know, somebody actually challenged me once, like, what's the least amount of words you can use to describe, like, the recipe for being confident? And I just said two words, impress yourself, mm -hmm. right? The more often you do that, the more confident you'll be. Impressing yourself is not about results because results are about impressing other people, being rich, getting the promotion, getting the hot partner, whatever it is, being the cool mum. you know, that, that's impressing other people. And quite often that costs you personally. You have to compromise something about yourself to make that happen. The good news is, of course, if you impress yourself, you will also impress the right people for you and it will be effortless. You're just doing your thing and they'll also like that and you won't have to add anything to that. So, you know, I was, when I met my wife, I was going through this hardcore phase of like, I'm going to push everyone away with honesty. I'm going to see who can handle it, who's left standing. And <laughs> I'll finish saying what I have to say and doesn't hate me. Uh, and she was one of the first people where I was applying that and everything I said made her like me more. I'm trying to push her away, essentially. I'm trying to show her like all the worst stuff about myself, all the horrible darkness, my secret inner world that nobody shows anyone. I was just like putting it right out there, right from the start. She just loved every second of it. I'm like, oh, this is easy. I can get away with murder here. Like I don't ever have to think about what I'm going to have to say in front of her because she just likes it all by default anyway. So I'm off the hook. Well, I hope you got the gist of what Dan was talking about. And of course you can listen to the whole thing and you can follow him. Um, I'm going to read out some socials, but you can follow him on your Facebook, Brojo Worldwide. Um, you can go to his blog website, theinspirationallifestyle.com. He's also on YouTube, Brojo Dan. <laughs> He's also on LinkedIn, Dan the Coach. And on Instagram, let me have a look, Dan the Coach on Instagram. So I'm sure somewhere along the lines, you're going to be able to find and follow him to get more of his amazing wisdom and insight. So next up, I'm keen to share with you a little sneak peek of an upcoming interview. 
And like I said, I get to interview so many amazing people. I'm talking here to Christine Spicer, who basically brought human design to New Zealand. She, if you missed my interview, I've talked um, to Melaine Lee Butler before about human design. I often mention it. Um, but Christine Spicer is a reflector, which is one to 2% of the population. It's very, very rare in terms of human design. Um, but the topic that we are speaking about in her interview is claiming your sovereignty with human design. And personally for myself, in terms of living a life you love, when I rediscovered human design, it really just lit this spark in me. And it because it allowed me to circle back to where I began, which was as a parenting author, helping moms to understand their partners better and to understand their children better so that they can understand them better judge them less, and of course, love them more. So I love the idea of that, which is why I dove into human design. And for myself, I'm going to Christine's upcoming retreat. So I'm so excited to be dedicating, I think it's four days to immersing myself in the experience and learning more, deepening my understanding so that I can, of course, ripple effect. So I can help more empower more uh, parents and more business owners to live their life, run their business in alignment through human design. So I'm so excited about that. So here we go. This is a little bit of a sneak peek on my interview with Christine. Here it is. Claiming your sovereignty. This is uh, the title of, of our topic today. What exactly do you mean by claiming your sovereignty? It, it's a term that some of my audience will be familiar with and some won't at all. Mm. Yeah, so what I mean by that is that there is an essential self inside each person. You know, the part of you that is the most precious, it's the part of you that's the most authentic. And when we follow our human design map over time, we really claim our full power of who we are and that power always turns up in an entirely unique way for each human being you know it looks different we live in a society where there is so much um, tendency to try to emulate people <laughs> and yet this is not about emulating anyone it's about becoming yourself and really claiming that full power and that sovereignty because it is this feeling of ah uh, yeah I can navigate this world as myself I can own my responsibility for all of my decisions and then I experiment and see where that takes me. But it's a whole different centered way of being, which gives a, a feeling of royalty in its best sense, as in your most empowered self. Hmm. One of the things I've found with profiling or personality types or something like that in the past is some people... Um, are resistant to it, meaning they'll say something along the lines of, don't put me in a box, you know, please don't label me. How do you, how can you respond to that with reference to human design and some of these other profiling techniques? Yeah, well, <laughs> human design is so specific to each person that there are as many charts, as many designs on the planet as there are people. So you know, if you object to being put in the box, which is your box amongst the, you know, there's 8 billion different designs and the reading that what I'm reading in your chart is your design. So that's your only box that I'm putting you in, which is you. <laughs> um, and that's entirely different to every, every other person on the planet. So, um, yeah, it's about uniqueness. Uh, human design is actually about differentiation. It's not about sameness. It's about that each person has their specific way of being, their specific gifts. And 
it's knowing that particular recipe that is you that helps you navigate your chart. There are some things that are in common. It's like, you know, all, you know, human beings, we all have a body, right? We all have, you know, most people have two arms, two legs. So there's some things like that in human design, which are, uh, okay, so there are some similarities with some other what we call types, they're aura types, but inside those aura types, there are four aura types, but inside of those, each person is entirely unique. And um, in a moment, I'd love you to share, you know, what are people will be wondering, well, what, what are those types and how do I know which one I am? Um, so actually let's, let's go there now. And then I'll go to my other question after. Yeah. What are okay. the types and how do they know what they are? Yeah, so the way you know what you are is it's all based on your time, place, and date of birth. And so you can go and look your look your chart up for free. You get a map, which is a map representing your body. It looks a little bit like a whole lot of chakras, although there are nine of them, um, with channels uh, connecting them, which are flows of energy. So that's how you know what you are. Um, and the four aura types, yeah. So the four aura types are there are generators and manifesting generators and these are the people with the creative energy that life force juicy life force energy on the planet and engaging that life force correctly to build and create is everything that brings satisfaction to these people whereas there are also manifestors and manifestors are entirely different to that actually we're all conditioned to be manifestors because this is the type that um, is the proactive go-getter type. And this type is the type that is actually here to be the door opener, to be the initiator. So manifestors are actually the ones that are here to be proactive and open the way for other people. And, um, you know, we're all we're all conditioned to go after things and there's so much movement, particularly in the spiritual world to, you know, to work out how do I manifest things? <laughs> so, you know, it's actually only eight or 9% of the people who are designed like that. Whereas the generators and manifesting generators that I talked about before is around 70% of the population. It's actually the majority. And then there are projectors and projectors are, you know, the students of life, really. Projectors are, the gift of a projector is really all about being able to read and guide energy. And they're the people who are always interested in how people work and who they are. They're the people who see, <laughs> they see so much of what's going on, particularly between people and in systems. And there's about 22% of the population that are projectors and these people are really here to read and guide that energy that I talked about before, but not be it. And of course, you know, the difficulty is we're all often conditioned to be something that we're not. And a lot of projectors end up being the energy rather than reading the energy. Yeah, so that's the um, third type. And then the fourth type is the reflector, which is what I am. And we are 1.5% of the population, and um, we're here as, in a way, mirrors or canaries. You know, a, a reflector is a completely open being, and we're here to, in a way, mirror back the community, the group that we're in, the people we're with, 
and with the purpose really of uplifting. It's about lifting people to the next level, creating space to lift people up. Yeah. Such great is uh, such great insight there from Christine Spicer and from all of my guests today. And of course, we love hearing from you as well. So definitely message in, you know, after the show, I get, uh, we use Signal for, uh, within our team um, and I get all these messages through with feedback that comes in straight away. So please go ahead and do that. 2057, if you want to text us, normal text rates apply, um, or you can email in inbox at realitycheck.radio. Let us know your feedback. Let us know what resonates. Maybe let us know something on your bucket list. If you've been inspired by today, um, we would love to know, and maybe it's something we can help you with. So let us know about that as well. It's been amazing to spend the Matariki Friday with you. And if you're listening later to the replay, thank you so much for listening. Please go ahead and pass the link, the whole link to realitycheck.radio on to any friends that you think are ready to maybe hear some insight or some news or information that maybe they wouldn't normally be exposed to in the normal mainstream legacy media. We're excited to share so many incredible topics. And it's an honor for me to be alongside so many amazing other hosts here on the show. We have so many different um, hosts on different topics, as you know, on the daily, you can tune in. It's not just, um, it's not just certain times you can literally listen to reality check radio all day long, if you so desire. And it's been amazing. I also would love to take some song requests because every week I pop in a few songs that I've stumbled upon. But if you have a certain song that you'd love to request, or if you're an artist here in New Zealand, if you're a singer, performer, hey, maybe we can play your song too. So definitely get in touch. You can contact me personally. The best way is on Facebook or Instagram. So I'm Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler Welsh on Facebook or Up Your Brave on Instagram, just send me a private message. That's the best way to get in touch with me directly. If you want more ways to up your brave, you can go to upyourbrave.com and definitely check out my recommended page where I feature a lot of the guests, just some of the guests that I've interviewed, but also some other people that I recommend personally, hand on heart to help you um, empower you to up your brave in whatever area of life, parenting, fitness, wellness, business, whatever it may be. You've been listening to Up Your Brave with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on RCR, Reality Check Radio.